Hi, I'm Marty. I'm Dave. I'm John. I'm Aaron. And this is Door 14 Hockey. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Door 14 Hockey Podcast. I'm your host Marty alongside Dave. Hello. And John. Ho, ho, hello. Oh, I like what you did. I like what you did there. I like the theme that you stuck with there. Uh, for anybody who is watching us live on uh, Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube, um, we are getting to the festive spirit with our Christmas hats, Christmas jerseys, some of us, I should say, um, on our nice themed background. Um, for anybody who's listening on the podcast, you will have just heard a nice jingle as part of our intro. That's pretty much all you'll notice different about Christmas themed on the podcast. Um, but we'll try our best um, to kind of keep it merry and cheery. This is our last podcast of 2023. Um, we will be taking a short break between after this episode over the, the festive period. Um, so we won't be back until 2024 in the new year. Um, but it's okay. Um, don't be too sad about that. Uh, guys, um, it has been two weeks since our last podcast. How have we all been? John, how are you? I'm good. Uh, it's been a quiet couple of weeks, generally speaking. Uh, trying to think, uh, was I in Belfast since the last podcast? Yeah, I think I was. Um, yes, you were. So managed to, came across for a wife's birthday um, and managed to come along with the, the little girl uh, to the Sheffield game, which is a game which I've instantly blocked out of my memory because it was terrible. Uh, so hoping the new year brings better games that I'm attending and better results. Yeah, I think you said you were going to be here for a game in January. Oh, two games in January, maybe, potentially? It's going to be, it's going to be one game. Oh, one game. Okay, one game. We can't be too greedy then. Okay. Um, Dave, um, how are you? I missed you at the last game. You were, um, I think you were at your Christmas dinner. So I think that's probably yes. um, a bit more of a, a more joyous, a more joyful. Um, well, no, actually, it was a good game. That last game was, was okay. Um, uh, um, it was a um, it was a fun night. Um, sort of um, work mandated fun, which is, you know. Eat, drink, and be merry, and all that jazz. So it was, uh, it was a good, it was a good night. Really enjoyed myself, and uh, yeah, just uh, getting into the festive spirit um, for the next uh, few weeks. Enjoy some much-needed time off work. Yeah, um, this weekend we will be uh, in the SSC Arena um, at the Belfast Giants doubleheader against the Manchester Storm. Um, and we are correct this time around, um, even though the Belfast Giants uh, Twitter slash X slash um, news piece on their website had different dates. But this weekend is the Belfast Giants annual uh, Teddy Bear Toss, um, which will take place on the 16th. Um in the 16th? I want to say 16th. Yes, 16th. Let's not get that wrong again. Um, so that we are looking forward to that. And that's obviously probably the start of our, our festive period. Um, we will be in our different festive jerseys. I'm sure me and Dave will be matching in our festive jerseys on Friday and Saturday anyway. Um, oh, it's Friday and Saturday? Yeah, it is Friday and Saturday. Um, guys, we have quite a lot to cover in, in this podcast. Um, as usual, we'll be covering it in three different periods. Period one. Uh, local coverage period two is our uh, coverage for across the world and period three is just our general anything else that kind of catches our attention from the world of hockey this year uh, this this last two weeks uh, some of that will be christmas themed again um be warned um although you know we, we do like our jerseys so we will be showing a few more christmas jerseys and a special christmas helmet that was designed by one of the goaltenders as well uh, so we will come to that but we start off our episode as we always do and we look at the league standings here in the elite ice hockey league uh, starting off with the in first place we have the Sheffield Steelers having played 
15 games and having 25 points. The Cardiff Devils are in second with 16 games played to 23 points. The Glasgow Clan are in third with 16 games played for 19 points. I didn't mean to say that so surprisingly, but it did come across like that. Uh, in fourth, we have the Coventry Blaze with 15 games played at 17 points. Manchester sit in fifth with 16 games played at 17 points. The Giants are in sixth with 17 games played at 17 points. The Dundee Stars are in seventh with 17 games played at 17 points. And Guildford Flames are in eighth with 16 games played and 16 points. Sitting at the bottom, then we have uh, Nottingham in ninth place with 12 games played and 15 points. Obviously, they have a few games to catch up with um, after their short break. And the Five Flyers are in 10th place with 18 games played and 14 points. Um, some interesting comments made by their coach last night in his interview. Um, I feel a bit dejected, but we might get to that later on um, when we were talking about the Challenge Cup. Um Actually, we probably should talk about the Challenge Cup. Well, no, let's let's finish the standings first. Let's get your thoughts on the standings and then we'll talk about the Challenge Cup, guys. Um, so let's look at the standings. So as I mentioned, first, second and third held by Sheffield, Cardiff and Glasgow. Um, John, I mean, we Sheffield are continuing their form. You know, they were sitting top in our last episode two weeks ago, still sitting top there. Those top places are kind of changing a wee bit around, but Glasgow sitting in third. Um, good kind of rebound for Glasgow in this first part of the season. Yeah, um, Sheffield showing early form and it's it stayed with them. Um, you can't argue with their position. I think looking at it, they've only dropped five potential points from all their games, which um, is just unreal. They are without doubt the form team in the league. Um, Cardiff are an interesting one. They they seem to have league form, but like you say, we're going to come on to it. Um, Challenge Cup seems to have been something else for them, uh, maybe a, a step too far, uh, but they still have their European competition uh, on the go as well, uh, which I know that we're going to talk about later on. Glasgow feel finally like they are fulfilling the promise. I kind of said that in our group chat after last night. Um, they they found a vein of form. They had a bit of a ropey end of October, start of November, and then coming into December. They have turned things around completely. They are a team on the up. And from a neutral perspective, I'm really glad to see it because Glasgow are the team who have promised everything and delivered nothing up to this point. So I'm really, really glad to see them sort of where they are in the league. I think that is a that is the position. I think we all think that sort of top, top third, maybe top half is where we expect Glasgow to be within the league makeup uh, up until last year and now this year they've got ownership who've got money they've got the capacity to compete with the arena teams and they just haven't they haven't delivered uh, on what their budget and what the promise should deliver now they're getting there um and it's it's really exciting to see i mean we've you know glasgow over the summer we know um changed ownership um you know obviously new new hands taking 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 control of of the glasgow clan um and i mean i think it, it looks so far like they have started to kind of come true and what they were saying that they hoped that glasgow it would take glasgow to the next level in terms of you know kind of getting them competing again compared to maybe the previous season's woes um dave do you think that's the case so far yeah 100 agree the glasgow um on paper, were a team that should always have been really high up. You know, they've a fantastic fan base, a really, um, you know, passionate group of fans and a loyal group of fans that come week in, week out. Um, and it's, it, it, you know, it's 
I'm sure it's been hard for them to see the the sort of um, the previous seasons where the form was all over the show, um, where this year they've they've really nailed it. And it's it's amazing to see, and I I love seeing um, all the Scottish teams do well. Um, it, I think it's brilliant for the league when you have that competitiveness the whole way through. Um, I know what, the teams go through spells where it, it's um, you know it's good and bad, but whenever you've got uh, the opportunity on any given night for any given team to maybe steady points, uh, it just makes it so much more interesting to watch, um, especially when it comes to teams or play, uh, games you're not invested in. You know, um, if you're not, you know, if you're, uh, you know, a third, um, if you're not directly linked with the league, or if you're, um, you know, you didn't manage to catch a game that your your team is not playing in, um, just makes it so much more, so much more fun. Um, and from an outsider, um, getting the other fans in, it, you know, you can't go wrong if there's a, a more competitive league. Because could you imagine if you turn up to, um, you know, Glasgow last year when they were having a, a bad run and maybe go one or two games and you watch them lose both of them, you know, it's you're, you're hardly you're maybe not going to run back to it. Where now you might get to see either team win, you might get some of the most competitive hockey you'll see all season. So um, I, I think it's I think it's great. It's great to see. Um, we're talking about obviously you know competitive hockey and making sure the um, competitive hockey and how you know people before you were you mentioned their deified teams you know kind of do sometimes the form do- drops and it kind of um, you know kind of has a reaction people have a reaction to different fa- different you know fans coming and going from the league um, around, coming and going to the games and it maybe harms footfall and stuff um, we have the next three te- the next four teams kind of sitting on the same similar points just in that mid 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 table you know we have the Coventry Bays Manchester Storm Belfast Giants and the Dundee Stars all sitting on 17 points each um, some teams struggling more than others shall we say I think that's right enough to say um, but there was a lot of conversations around um, you know the, the the attendance for like Coventry I think this this past week I think it was a especially I think it was last night I think was the game it was on and um, the Giants versus Coventry last night I think the, the people were asking you know what's happened in Coventry that the, the seats looked quite empty last night I think on their webcast um, and I think it was kind of similar up in um, Dundee I think it was a similar maybe I'm wrong but I think I, I did see something last night about about that was is that like pick that up right John do you yeah, I think it was Andrew Owens uh, commented that uh, the the crowd in Coventry was pretty poor, but I think there was a there was a, a couple of Coventry folk responded on that, given that it was a midweek game. Uh, we're not yet into the school holidays, so kids are still going to school uh, the next morning. Um, and I think the is it Coventry City Football Club they've had a bit of a resurgence, and they also happened to be playing last night. Um, so that will obviously have hit the uh, the attendances. Uh, if you're from Dundee, I think just team performances, uh, unfortunately, are, are what's impacting the the crowds there. What I will say is it's not for lack of trying. Uh, the Stars' media output is consistent, it's constant, and they're also on local radio. So obviously I'm in the, the area that we have TFM, my wife works over in Dundee, so TFM is what we're tuned into. It sounds like an advert for TFM now. Um, but uh, plug they, yourself for a job, right? Maybe. <laughs> tell you what, they could they could do with some new blood. Let me tell you. Um, but the the ads for the stars are constant on TFM as well. Um, so they they are trying, but that has to be replicated on the ice. The team has to put the effort in, and unfortunately, it's just not there. Uh, and the same 
could be said of Fife. I, I think I'm hearing that crowds are down again after what was a, a big bumper start uh, to the, the season. I think the cooling effect has started to cool off. Um, the results just aren't there, and it's a real, real shame to see Fife. I don't know, like return to type with mm. being down in tenth. Um, early, early third of the season, well, three months of the season, they were sitting squarely middle of the table, and they have gone off a cliff. Um, last night's Challenge Cup game, they had thirteen skaters. So, whether that's injury, sickness, or whatever's going on, there there are just serious, serious problems there uh, in uh, in Fife. Um, I just wanted to highlight this comment that just came up because uh, um, while John was talking, um, Dave all of a sudden transformed into this costume change. Of Chris- yeah, it was a massive costume change for anybody who's not watching the the, the, the podcast or watching the podcast on YouTube. Um, his wife just came on and just said, sorry to disturb. Dave was looking very unfestive. Thanks, Gemma. We did feel he was very unfestive. Um, so thank you for bringing the festivity. Yes. Um, just you mentioned obviously Fife um, and obviously Fife and Nottingham just holding up the table there at the bottom. Um, as we mentioned, Nottingham have only played twelve games compared to everybody else's fifteen and seventeen games. Um, you know, so they are expected to have maybe just a slightly lower point ratio um, at this point. Obviously, having played less games, um, do you think at this time at the moment, obviously Panthers worried about that, or do you think it's just a, a case of we'll, we'll build up on that? It'll come when it comes. No, look to be honest, if they if they win the games that they have sitting, they're they're in third place in the league. And I think for for the Panthers, regardless of what's happened this season, that would be a, a league position that they would be very happy with as a club. Um the I think they were struggling there were real worries they weren't gonna make playoffs last year. Um and ninth is not a reflection of where that club is right now. Um, it, it no. really isn't. They, they've missed a few games. There are games rescheduled for them. Um, they will come up the table. Uh, we've seen it in some of the games uh, that we've seen, even against the Giants. They they are not a ninth place team. They are a top of the table team, or at least a top end of the table team this season. Uh, Coach Paredes is is doing something right in Nottingham this season. Yeah, um, Dave, your thoughts? Yeah, no, I agree. The they're they're sort of at current output you would be saying definitely top thirds um of that table and yeah it's I'm, i was very surprised to hear of the numbers dwindling in, in the likes of um fife and um dundee um when you still see the giants at the minute still pulling in uh, almost sellout crowds um for uh, for uh, what are at the minute um, absolutely dire games um, but it, it is nice to, hopefully we can see the, the form change in the next coming Do you week. think it's a hangover of and I mean this in the, the best possible term of hangover we're still the defending uh, treble champions I, I, I think so So yeah. I think to be honest I think to be honest we could have lost every single game this season so far and you would still probably be pulling five five and a half thousand fans per game because there's a massive banner outside that says, is it home of champions? Uh, you've got three trophies currently in residence in Belfast, I think, regardless. Now, as a fan, I, I don't really care about... I do care about last season, but last season's last season. We lifted those trophies, it's done. 
I want to see them do it again. The form's just not currently there. I was heartbroken yeah. with that performance against Sheffield. I mean, I, I don't get to that many home games now. And look, I turned up. It's all it's your fault. The Giants. Well, it's a shame the Giants <laughs> couldn't have turned up. <laughs> I mean, let's let's talk about you know. Obviously, we've you know, as Giants fans, we've kind of I've kind of kind of skipped past the Giants. We haven't really chatted about it. We chatted about top three and the kind of the bottom ones more. The Giants sitting middle of the table is a bit of a surprise, I think, for everyone. Uh, I think uh, you both join me in saying that. Um, I think, and you know, Adam Keith, coach of the Belfast Giants, has has said no, on numerous occasions through his interviews that he's not going to use the excuses of uh, numbers of injuries and stuff. That that's not an excuse to um, to use. He can't, you can't, you, you know, you can't stand by that. But you know, when you do have, when you do look at the roster and you do look at the fact that, like you know, we had three key players, the Belfast Giants have just stepped back in onto the ice there this last. Was it Junior Challenge Cup game yeah. on Wednesday night? I mean, oh yeah, Wednesday night. Yeah, it was Wednesday night. I John, mean, you might be able to say whenever we counted the last game, we were at we had what twelve ice skaters. I don't think we had three full lines. I think we had oh. three full lines of forwards, but I no. don't think we had three lines of D. No, it was it was very, and I um, I think we were um, we were looking at the roster, like the game sheet. There was uh, definitely D men that were on the game sheet that were not on the ice, um, no, and that was either no. last minute injuries or, or people that couldn't just couldn't quite uh, pass the medical or whatever. You know. And and we will talk about um, in period one. We will talk about some roster changes that have happened, and we will talk about what the Giants' response has been as well, because we know the Giants from our in our last podcast uh, moved quickly to bring in. Um, player or two um, but even since that our last podcast the Giants have um, bolstered the roster again to kind of uh, account for some of those major um, injury injury um, players the players that have been placed on the injury reserve list um, so we will talk about that in period one I guess just you know come back to just what you were saying there John about numbers and people in the crowds and stuff I think there is still a factor of you know reigning um you know triple champions kind of that's kind of drawing people in and it's bringing crowds in um but we are getting to that point this season anyway where we normally do have higher crowds coming into through the ssc arena just because it does happen around christmas time and around this festive period when in january um when or not usually but um i definitely think there's there's an aspect of that but i think there's also an aspect of there's been a lot of uh, like I don't know if it's just me on different social media platforms, but I've seen a lot of output from so-called bloggers or what do you call them? Um, influencers. Them. Yeah, influencers. Sorry, yeah. Um, I mean, I've seen loads of content from influencers being like, oh, come to the Giants game with me, blah, blah, blah. Um, and there's been, I mean, a lot, a lot of that. So I don't know. There's been some of that. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily I don't, call them influencers. Don't, I don't, I don't I know if it's, I don't know I if think it's, it's algorithms based on, but I don't know if it's just yeah. algorithms based on where you are. Because here in Belfast, I feel it's, like I'm inundated with that type of stuff. That that sort of content used to be in the realm of influencers, but the the advent of TikTok, for example, puts that sort of editing ability to cut together a video of a game night and things like the walk up to the arena and everything. It puts it in your pocket. It puts it in your phone, so yeah. people can make that stuff and put it out very quickly uh, and it looks like what we would consider maybe five six years ago a fairly pro looking vlog um and now everyone's doing it like we're we need to we need to step up and and do the next thing uh, and what find out what it, it is what, Sa- what says I'm me the, the the tiktoker of the group 
But what I mean by that is, what I mean by that is, I think there is a TikTok factor going on at the moment in that I think these creative people who are putting these videos out, who are putting on like, you know, come along with me for this game that experience. Other people are saying, oh, it's not, it's not even that. That looks like, that looks like a lot of fun. I'm going to go and do that too. It's not even specifically that. You've got Jackie Gendron, who is huge on TikTok. Um, and she has been drawing a, a fair crowd. Um, I think she did. Did she do bracelets or something mm-hmm. making on the bridge a few yeah, weeks yeah. ago? So yeah. drawing on the popularity. And that's been a massive thing. I've talked about it on the podcast before. There are a number of the, the wives and girlfriends who are producing content on TikTok specifically and are drawing people in. Um, yeah. So Jackie Gendron, I know, is one. And Low Car here in Dundee is another one she effectively she's almost as famous as kevin in dundee um she's been traveling around the city she's been going to bakeries and coffee shops and going shopping in places that and she's interacting with fans who are telling her these places to go she's doing game night videos as well about what it's like to be on the sidelines supporting your partner and the same thing is happening. I think there's. I don't think uh, Jackie Gendron is the only one in Belfast. I think there's a couple of them uh, who are doing that as well. And that's all content. That's all pushing out, and it's free advertisement for the the clubs. It's yeah, free advertisement absolutely. for the league, which makes it even harder when I can't get any response from the elite league teams for <laughs> interviews for fourteen with fourteen. <laughs> oh, better you can talk about that at the end. You can do your. You can. I let you get on a soapbox at the end of the at the end of the podcast and, and give a shout out. Um, but we'll move on for now, um, guys. Let's have a quick look just at this this past week um, midweek games. Um, we're all challenge cup challenge cup games. Um, we had two. I, I want to say we had two games that were round one games, and then we had two games that were round two. Our uh, second leg games. Well, do you uh, want me? Have I have teams. the I have the complete thing here. Do you want me to run well, through? Sort of if you where like things to, are. Yes. Where you go. So I can run through. So uh, two of the, the matches have only seen one leg so far. Um, so Manchester and Sheffield have only played uh, one leg so far, and they sit uh, with an aggregate score of 5 1 to Sheffield, with the return leg in Sheffield still to go. Uh, the other one uh, that was played last night, uh, Belfast Coventry. Uh, a completely pointless 60 minutes of hockey ended with a 1-1 tie uh, and that tie will come back to Belfast next Wednesday where it will be decided who will step up into the semi-finals. The two that we know the results form uh, in the quarterfinals um, are Guildford and Fife. They have completed with Guildford Flames moving forward with an aggregate score of 6-3. The return leg of that was played in the Guildford Spectrum last night with the Flames taking the the spot in the semi-finals. Uh, And Glasgow and Cardiff, the shock result so far of the Challenge Cup. Uh, Glasgow with a a 3-1 win on the night uh, down in Cardiff Bay, taking a 6-5 win on aggregate. Um, So the Cardiff Devils crashing out of the Challenge Cup. That's a a massive one. Um, I think whenever I was seeing the scores last night when I was um, looking at the scores on Wednesday night, last night, if you're, if you're watching live, um, I, I that definitely took me, and I, I think I put into the group, I was like, I didn't see that coming. Um, that was that was a surprise knockout. And we talked about, I think um, Aaron actually had mentioned it in our last podcast. He was like, you know, what he likes about Chance Cup sometimes is you do see these surprises every now and again where, there, where one of the big teams gets scalped and gets taken out, a la last year with five Flyers and the Sheffield Steelers. Um, 
it's almost like you know the, yeah i think it wasn't i don't think it was a case of cardiff going into the game thinking oh well we've got this but there's definitely an aspect of uh, i think a lot of fans responsible i don't think they were expecting glasgow to do that's what they did last night no um, well so sure to glasgow um, for moving forward cardiff cardiff were going into that tie they brought it back home with a one goal lead um it was theirs to theirs to win now we've seen the giants fall foul of that aggregate uh, game line before uh, the the horrendous year where we went to Nottingham with a, a lead and then crashed out by getting absolutely hammered by the Panthers in the NIC. Um, but I think uh, Paul Dixon, no, not Paul Dixon. What do you call their coach? Pete Russell. Pete Russell uh, kind of said it in his um, his post game interview uh, that the team just weren't at the races. Uh, they looked leggy. They they started slow. They they went down very early in the game. Um, Glasgow, two two goals in the first. It's very difficult to come back from that. That's that's Glasgow with the lead uh, straight off the bat in the first period. Uh, and by the lead, I mean the lead in that game and the aggregate lead. So you've got the Devils team. Now, albeit at home, they, they should be winning that. Um, but they're chasing the game from early on. And that's not a position you want to be in. Cardiff... No. Cardiff are sputtering at the minute, which is probably not great for their fans considering uh, the Conti Cup is uh, is coming back to Cardiff Bay. Is the focus is the focus um, on the Conti Cup? We probably I should wait and kept that kept, kept that question until when we're talking about it later on. But it, do you th- do you feel that at this time the focus is on the fact that they are in the final for the Conti Cup? If it is, that's a completely misplaced focus. The the Conti Cup is what it is. Um, you you compete for a weekend uh, in the finals and you either win or you don't. Yes, it's it's in Cardiff, so there is should be a focus on it. But it's just a game weekend. They they need to come Dave, at it with an attitude of we've got games games to play. Dave, would you go for Conti Cup or Challenge Cup? Jeez, the the benefit of the 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 Continental Cup is that. Um, you have the it's not an automatic anymore but you go into the running for one of the CHL spots so whenever they're drawing up the magic list um, the, there is a possibility that you could pick so that would be nice um, Challenge Cup's a domestic piece is a domestic cup and it, if you've gone a few seasons without anything domestic you want it and it should be your focus in my opinion yeah Guys, let's move on. Let's move our attention across the water um, because we do have a lot to pick up on in our periods. Um, so let's switch our, switch our attention across the water to the NHL um, and the currently uh, the standings and the wild card spots as we will. And we'll look at the Eastern Conference first in the Atlantic Division. So sitting top there is Boston Bruins still with uh, 27 games played and 40 points. The Florida Panthers sit in second with 28 games played and 36 points. And the Toronto Maple Leafs have moved up into third with 26 games played and 35 points. In the Metropolitan Division then we have the New York Rangers sitting top with 27 games played, 39 points. The New York Islanders with 28 games played and 35 points. And the Philadelphia Flyers are sitting in third still with 28 games played and 33 points. The two wildcard spots are held by Detroit and Washington. I always find it really funny when you look at the, the, the wildcard spots and you realize that um, although they're in two different divisions, they, like the Detroit, Detroit Red Wings actually have more points than the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, and I just always think it's really funny when you see that happening, but that's how it is so far. Um, if we switch across into country to the western side of things in the central division, uh, the Colorado Avalanche are sitting top with 29 games played and 31, 38 points. Winnipeg Jets are in second with 28 games played and 30 
36 points and the Dallas Stars are in third with 27 games played 35 points uh, Pacific Division um, last division is the Vegas Golden Knights in first with 30 games played 45 points continuing their form from last year the Vancouver Canucks are in second with 29 games played 39 points and the LA Kings are in third 26 games played and 36 points the wild card spots are held by uh, Nashville Predators and the Arizona Coyotes uh, yeah John happy happy with that Happy with that, considering the start that we had. Um, we're we're getting we're blowing a little bit hot and cold at the minute. We're getting a couple of streaking two or three wins together, and then taking an L, um, and then getting back to two or three wins again. But I'm quite happy. Churn through Christmas, stick close to uh, one of the wild card spots, potentially move up into to third, second place. But if we can get through get through Christmas, get through January, still sitting in that wild card spot. Uh, we've seen it before. The West is a bloodbath, um, so I, I'd be quite happy to take the wild card uh, if we can take that going through into playoffs. Yeah, everything picks up pace from when we come back um, after the festive period. Everything will just start picking up pace. You know, January, February just feels like just flies through with games, the meta games on the sh- on the sheets for for those both those months, and it just seems like once we hit that 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 stage, everything starts to kind of you start to see kind of things shake out, kind of get a, get a really good understanding, an idea of um, who's maybe going to end where. But as we always talk about, um, you know. Both you guys, both in the Western Conference, that conference and that and that wild card spots, they're always quite tough and they're always shaking up and down. So um, that's always the one that we keep an eye on um, right through the season. Um, I think that's really it. Um, are we happy to move on to period one? Um, as I say, we've got quite a bit in period one um, to get through. So if we're happy enough. What we'll do is we'll get stuck into our show and we'll move on to period one of hockey. As I mentioned at the top of our show, period one of hockey is just a roundup of stories um, and items from around the UK. Um, I'm going to start us off um, first off just with a quick run through and a quick look at just some of the roster updates um, since um, our last podcast, which was the 30th of November. So last 14 days, a bit of change, a bit of movement. So I'm just going to go through some of the changes that have happened across the league, just in relation to um, players moving up and down and uh, asking for the Johnson and those story there as well, but I've been for minutes. Um, starting off, um, way back when, when we, after our last podcast, the Pike Flyers um, added non-homegrown player Pavlos as an injury recover for Ben Horachuk. Um, doesn't kind of change over the Washington side, 29. The first Giants added a uh, homegrown player, Cameron Pound, um, and that was added on the 23rd of November as an IR cover for Mark Garside. And um, doesn't kind of change to first Giants overall roster of 29 players. Uh, in December, the Panthers then added non homegrown player, Austin Farley, to their roster, um, didn't count towards the Panthers overall roster size. Uh, and then the Belfast Giants, as we mentioned and we kind of alluded to in our intro there, the Giants added non-homegrown player, uh, returning player, shall we say, for the Belfast Giants, Henrik Eriksson, as injury cover for Oliver Cooper, who was added to the injury reserve list on the 23rd of November. Um, and again, doesn't count as a change towards the Giants the roster size of 29 players. Um, we'll talk about uh, Henrik Eriksson in a second, guys, if that's okay. I'm going to keep going. Uh, in the 8th of December, then, Sheffield Steelers placed Sam Jones on injury reserve, um, ineligible ice 28 days following the date of the 4th of the 12th and then most recently as of this week the Glasgow clan reactivated Charlie Combs and added non-homegrown player uh, Reid Petrick uh, to their roster um, previously an IR replacement the clan have 
three non-homegrown roster places remaining, um, and an overall roster size of twenty-nine players or twenty-three players so far this season. Um, there is a few changes which we'll talk about. But let's go to Henrik uh, Eriksson first of all, first and foremost for for the Belfast Giants fans here um, between us. Um, Henrik uh, came in, returns to the Belfast Giants, shall we say, after the treble-winning season last year. Um, I know he um, had a number of. Uh, I suppose it was a. I think he was dealing with a, a bit of an illness and a bit of. A, I suppose he missed out on the on the on the uh, playoff run at the end of the season last year due to illness and stuff. Um, but he returns this. He turns to the Giants and seems to have made a bit of a, an impact in the first few games he's he's had back. Um, your thoughts on that, John? Scored in his first game back, so pleased to have him. That's uh, certainly been an area that we. I say we, uh, the Giants have uh, have struggled in uh, we've been losing yes we've lost a couple of games with multiple points but we're out shooting opponents we are out playing opponents we are puck possession is way above the opponents uh, even looking at the game against Sheffield uh, in Belfast we were on the ice the more dominant team um, I know that some people have commented about um, Sheffield potentially out-muscling Belfast in, in every area of the ice. I don't think that's true. Um, what has been a problem has been the the quality chances. Uh, we've been a perimeter team again. There's been nobody willing to go into the dirty area. Um, special teams are god-awful at the minute. Um, and that has actually, I think, been my one complaint over the, the last, if you want to call it, the last coaching era. Uh, far be it for anyone to criticise the Adam Keefe era. But I think our power play over that time has been not fantastic. Now, somebody will probably throw stats in my face, but I, I feel like the frustration I've constantly had for the last few seasons has been a, a lack of um, point production on the power play. Um, and that has certainly continued uh, this season. So, short answer, uh, glad to see him back. Um, Dave, I mean, the response on um, social media for, um, you know, for, for, for the return um, of Erickson um, was, was quite, it was, was positive um, overall, yep. um, generally, and generally saying, but it was also like, do you, do you feel it was um i suppose as i said it's positive it was a positive um response um my feeling was it was a bit overboard with the positivity yeah, so, in terms of i mean a good decent player he the one thing we yeah. can't deny is that one of the big complaints people are having um the fan base and at the moment it can be a bit of a toxic toxic place online especially from from a fan base that yeah you can say you're passionate and stuff but there's also a, a level of you know that's that's you know, let's keep it real as well. Um, but I mean, the, I think the one thing I will say is a lot of players, and a lot, of, or sorry, a lot of fans are talking about whether or not players at the moment playing in the Belfast Giants have the heart and really want to play for the team and really want to be on the ice. The one thing we can't deny about Erickson is that he he wants to be here. He he yeah. for Belfast Giants. You could tell from the the coming in last season that he has from an outsider looking in, looks like he's having a fantastic time playing for the Giants. Um, you know, if if nothing else, he's enjoying himself. Um as a player, I think he I think he's good. Um I, I sort of yes, we we do have a, a bit of a issue with getting getting the goals. Um he wasn't the sort of player I would have been looking for, but 
he probably is a, a fairly comparative replacement for uh, Oliver Cooper. Um, you know, if that, that's what they were going for. So um, that's, you know, that's good. It's good to see him and he, he will he, he will put, put in points. Um, I would have liked to probably see um, a D-man, a big D-man, you know, someone who's going to be able to uh, sort of command in a, in a period. Um, I think that's where our personal weaknesses are. Yes, I do agree with John. We're, we're missing somebody who's going to get down and dirty and um, you know get those sort of dirty goals. But uh, we are missing uh, a big chunk of our day. So whenever we do make mistakes, the guys are tired um, and aren't able to get back. And we end up with these breakaways, which we wouldn't have had last year, um, leading to us being outworked. Um, and that's why we're getting those uh, like quick succession goals. Um, so you'll get one... And then you'll get another one when the Giants are trying to pull it back, and that's purely down to the the, the, the D not being able to uh, get back in place. What I would say, though, just on, on a positive note, it, it, um, I was talking to John about this this game. Um, I've really enjoyed uh, Davy Phillips' play um, this year. I think he's been a, a phenomenal um, asset to the team and um, showing elements of the same player that went to the to the AHL, um, but with veteran um, knowledge and. Uh, and leadership. So it'd be nice to see another big stay-at-home D-man turn up to the Giants. Um, I don't know whether we will um, with everything that's uh, currently gone wrong um, or with the the current injuries stacking up, but uh, we will wait with bated breath. That was, so uh, two things. The first thing was I 100% agree with nearly everything you said there, Dave, in terms of, I think my response was a D-man was kind of where I thought we would need to be. And I had this conversation actually with a few um, with a few guys um, at the game on um, this past weekend. And we were talking about um, Henrik coming into the lineup and we were talking about, you know, what we were expecting in terms of what we kind of thought the Giants were, kind of were, were going to bring in. And one of the things that I said was, the, the kind of the, the conversation that was had was whether or not the Giants needed people to score. And as I kind of said, and I kind of said to you, and I think, John, you kind of alluded to this as well. It's not that the Giants don't have the talent to score goals. It's not that they don't have it. For some reason, they're just not producing those goals. They're trying. They're just not producing. They're just not finishing in, this, in the way they need to. So we have the, the firepower there, and we know they have the capability and the firepower there. But the problem that we keep seeing is that when we go up, exactly as you said, Dave, when we go up a goal, almost instantaneously afterwards almost like a click of a finger there's a there's a response from the, the opposition team on all of a sudden they're scoring on a breakaway play or just str- like i mean minutes after it feels like minutes after we score the opposition team scores straight away again after and yeah again is it a question of we, we were we were reading through that we were looking through the, the injury reserve list and we we're looking through the players that were currently off the ice and quite a few of those were defensemen now we have um the Giants obviously announced that they brought back um jackson whistles back um and he's been brought back into the team which is great maybe he's a backup for besco and giving besco a bit of rest hopefully that will come come and um, because we we've heard things that besco might be a bit injured and whatever else maybe not but you know obviously give him a bit of rest um but we also see um Bombers back, which is great as well for the defensive line because you know when he's on the ice, when he's back on the team, we know we've got a good strong defenseman there, and it's really really even to have him in there, and it's just a bit of confidence knowing he's there. Uh, we know Miles Gendron is currently out uh, commission, but he's due back soon. You know we've had Roach who's been out since the start of the year as his defenseman, and you know there was no talk about no talk of you know that and whether or not there's going to be any return soon of that. You know, and again, so we're talking about defense. And I suppose I was surprised about you. So that leads me to my last question before we move on to our next story. In terms of the Christmas period, the Giants are very well known um, to bring in 
additional names and players towards Christmas time periods. So it's almost like a little Christmas gift post Christmas. Um, we've seen that in previous years. Do we think the Giants will move towards bringing another player in before the end of the festive period, John? Scott Conway claws activated. <laughs> <laughs> if they if they announce that on Christmas if they announce on Christmas Day or Boxing Day, I think that's yeah. Um, I've been joking be... with Marty all season that it, it's just for the movie. The the two went away. The uh, Conway and Goodwin have just went away for a wee break for a wee break in the sun, and then they'll come back in the new year and we'll win everything. <laughs> just for the movie. It's just for the movie, right? You know. Just for the movie. That's it. Um. Guys, I'm going to move us on. Uh, we're talking about signings. Um, there was an announcement this week that the Nottingham Panthers um, have a new signing via Manchester Storm. Um, John, your story, do you want to head off with that one? Yeah, uh, so this was the news that um, Joe Hazeldine has departed his Erst Liga team. Um, now, the Manchester Storm retained the rights to his Elite League contract when he departed uh, for the Erste Liga. However, on his return, it was made clear by the player uh, to Manchester that he would not be returning for the Storm. He wants to be closer to family, uh, who are obviously either in Nottingham or in the Nottingham area. Uh, and therefore, uh, an approach by the Panthers was made. Uh, an agreement was made um, on some sort of uh, purchase rights. So obviously the Storm will have taken some cash uh, off the back of this. Uh, and instead, Hazeldine will uh, or will be and has signed with the Nottingham Panthers instead. So interesting. This to me is not an interesting story given the moves or anything because totally the, the Panthers could have just announced that uh, they'd signed them. What is refreshing to me out of this story is that we are getting a little bit of an insight into uh, backroom discussions between clubs on signings uh, and the fact that uh, Manchester are being clear with their fans, with the fans of the league, that, look, we we had the right to sign them, uh, but we've done the right thing by the player. But here's what's also happened. The Panthers have come looking for him as well. So... We've got something for this, and this is putting their fans at ease with this, is we've got something for this, we'll be looking for someone else, or at least we've got this cash, and we're going to do something with that. And that, to me, is great. And also, it's great to see Hazeldean back in the IHL. Yeah, I would agree. I think the biggest thing, as you say, it wasn't the, it wasn't the announcement of, 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 of where the player was going to. That wasn't the thing that, that, that caught my attention. As you clearly said there, it's what what is interesting is that we always kind of knew and there's always been chat about the fact that when players signed for the Elite League teams um, and whenever there comes to a point where maybe they're departing from the Elite League teams, for whatever reason that might be, there was always this chat that there was like a, almost like tied into some of the contracts or that we're going to release the player under the understanding it, under the understanding is that if they return to the Elite League in a, in a, in a say, a year's time, whatever it might be, uh, that they're going to return to us so we're we're happy to free you from a contract with us to go and have an, an opportunity somewhere in europe in a, in a different league 
but you know, on the on the other hand, you know, on the other side of it, you know, if you do decide you want to come back to the league, you know, you give us the first option, the first choice to come back to us, and so obviously they kind of hold on to that contract. We kind of seen that in, pa- in the past. We kind of heard that was happening, but we've never really ever really seen it in writing and, and written down form like this. So the fact that Manchester said put out the statement to say, yeah, we did, we we had the contract form, we owned the contract, but we've given up for for Nottingham, and we've we've come to terms with Nottingham on on, a, on an option. Um, it is it was very interesting statement that was put out and I think that's why it caught our attention for definite um, I would love to Dave, see a move to a more transparent uh, transparent setup like that um, I know that a lot of our deals are done in the back rooms of what previously would have been very smoky bars um, but the um, I just think it, it's very um, shady um, whenever the, the, the whole sort of player recruitment and process and stuff where if you you know, I know that the NHL is a different animal, but it's so transparent. Um, it does mean that you you sort of know what your team's currently playing with, um, and I know that it's uh, it's harder to put in place. And you know, but what it does do is stop uh, people running away with it. And I know that people blame the Giants for doing exactly that. Um, and having that level of transparency um, would stop them. Yeah. Definitely. I'm going to stick with Manchester for, for the minute um, before we move on to our next story. I'm going to stick with Manchester because this is a story um, that kind of um, also came out. And this this was the most frustrating thing. This tends to happen a lot. This is why I said John today before we went on to this podcast, uh, before we went on to record the podcast. Just keep an eye on Twitter for us throughout the, game, throughout the podcast. If any breaking news happens, just kind of let us know. Uh, this tends to happen quite a bit. But uh, as, our, as we finished our last podcast just over two weeks ago, um, there was breaking news at the time of podcast recording, which we didn't see. And this was the news that the ownership, there was a change of ownership for the Manchester Storm. Now, we we kind of knew we, in last week's podcast, when we were doing this podcast two weeks ago, we did know that this was this was a rumour at the time. So this was something that was oh, it wasn't even wasn't even a rumour, wasn't even a rumour. The, well, the, the existing owners at that point had gone into liquidation. That well, was public okay. knowledge. So let's let's put it into context. We did the reason why we didn't report on the story two weeks ago in the podcast is because there was a the only thing that was put out was the previous owner put out a post on Twitter to basically say, um, stepping down, blah blah blah. Uh, this is what's you know um, I thank everyone for you know the support blah, blah blah for the last six years that sort of thing that was the tweet he put out. We had seen things about um, liquidation and everything else, but at the time there was no official story put out. And the one thing we have always talked about and we'd always agreed on in this podcast was that we'll only report on a story and talk about a story if and when it becomes official news and something is put out or a statement is put out there. The statement for this changeover of ownership happened just as we were on our and we missed it. So this was obviously the ownership. So I'm just going to take us back two weeks just to kind of have a quick chat about it. Uh, but the Manchester Storm did announce that the uh, change of ownership structure um, as of the 30th of November, uh, 2023, uh, after six years, Jamie Tunstall uh, expressed his desire to step down from the directorship and conclusion of the 2022-2023 season, setting the focus on family and his primary motivations. Uh, as a result, Fron- Frontera Limited, which is a new business led by Emma and Ryan Fennerty, very familiar names, emerged as the majority stakeholders. Uh, Frontera have also collaborated with major, uh, a minority partner, Springwood Sports Investments, which is a Canadian-based sport investment organization led by Gord Simmons. Uh, Gord's industry experience includes 11 years as the majority owner of the Ontario Hockey League's Belleville, 
Hamilton's four seasons as a minority owner of the Hamilton Bulldogs, and he sat on the Ontario Hockey League's Board of Governors for 15 years and the OHL's Executive Committee for six years. So really good standings, really good pedigree in terms of ownership and in terms of knowledge and understanding of the game uh, from different variations and different levels of the sport. Um, John, let's come to you first. I mean, you know, we know Ryan Finnerty has a, you know, a, a massive, massive love for the Manchester Storm and Manchester in general. I mean, having we talk having having a an ownership from that point of view in terms of a, having owners who, you know, who who love the team that they're they're taking ownership of. You know, we've. I mean, it can't be a bad thing at all in the in the long run. Look, it's great to, I mean, you say it's great. Once again, we've seen the old boys club of the IHL keep things to themselves. Um, so it's it's it stayed within the, the same group. But let's not beat around the bush with this. This The manner in which this was done, this was not a purchase of a business. This was the creation of a new business to allow the liquidation of an old business with substantial debts. Now, you can... The records are public knowledge. You can go into the previous business and you can look at their debts and they have, by going through this process, have screwed over quite a number of debtors. There are people who are owed money who are now not going to get it. Uh, one of them, I believe, includes their previous title sponsor. Ooh. So that in itself is fairly poor. Um, it is good in one respect, to see that the Manchester Storm will continue. Um, I know Anthony from Banners, he he did comment a couple of times saying, when when's a storm not a storm, when it's a phoenix. Uh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, Anthony, totally agree. Uh, I think we were very, very close to seeing something similar to what happened to the phoenix again. Uh, but the brand continues, uh, the storm continue, and at least we're not down to a nine-team league again. Uh, that's the key thing for me here is that we're still a 10-team league. Yeah. Marty remembers the um, days when we almost were a 16 league. Uh, do you remember that chant? That for, I think it was yes. playoffs that year. It was 16 league. You're having a laugh. Um, that, just, that chant rang around the arena the whole weekend. Um, yeah, I do remember that. Um, Dave, the question I was going to ask was, you know, obviously, you know, with new ownership um, comes new opportunities for, um, you know, obviously taking into consideration what John was saying, obviously, I know there's a, a number of factors um, still going on in the background with that and in terms of, you know, um, finance and everything else, but you know, with a new with new ownership comes new opportunities, comes new possibilities, I suppose, for um, for a team and for a franchise. Um, we obviously seen rumours and, and heard of rumours of um, new ice happening in Manchester. Um, do you think that there'd be a, a a decision made or a conversation had at some stage around moving from Altrincham to Manchester? And would this is it likely that this team, this group who've taken over at Manchester will, will maybe try and focus, follow, follow through and be something around that line? It's, uh, it'll be interesting to see. Manchester's always a funny one for me because Manchester's a massive sporting uh, area. You know, it should be able to pull in uh, fairly substantial numbers. Um, We've seen it. Uh, Manchester Storm held the record for a very long time for the largest ice hockey game in the UK um, when they played out of the MEN Arena. Um, so they have pedigree of you know playing in you know the centre, and it was all it all comes down to uh, the the you know the, that old adage uh, the best kept secret. You know, John, as we keep talking about it, you know, and it's almost as if by keeping them, you know, secret, it's causing issues there. The the 
I, I for, for one, would love to see Manchester playing in the centre of Manchester. Um, I think it would be it would be fantastic. Um, but the same goes for a lot of our teams. Um, you know, uh, a UK-based league without a, a London proper team just you know it baffles my brain. Um, you know, Belfast's doing great. Um, Cardiff seem to manage to make it work in a, a fairly uh, central location. It may be just out in the bay. Um, the Edinburgh Caps couldn't make it work, but they're on a resurgence. Um, but I would love to see something in London. Uh, but you would think uh, a market like Manchester could uh, support a larger team than um, the Storm as they currently stand. Um, and I would love to see them move in. Maybe with the addition of uh, some new blood in that mi- minority uh, group with so much hockey pedigree and knowledge from around the world um, might inject some sort of leadership there that will move them into uh, uh, pastures new. Yeah, 100%. I agree. Uh, what we do know is that it will be an interesting um, interesting future for Manchester Storm and some, definitely something we'll be keeping an eye on to see what does happen. Maybe it won't happen this season because we're obviously in the middle of the season and the ownership only really happened, the, the ownership change only happened there um, in, the, in the previous month, or in the previous two weeks. Um, so I think it will be probably 2024, 2025 season, next season, before we really see much changes. So that'll probably come over the off-season um, this year. So we'll, 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 come, see, back, we'll come back to this, this story, definitely. See, as long as we don't end up with the cringeworthy like, new owners videos like we had out of Cardiff, then I'm totally pleased. Just, just be quiet, owners, guys. Just get on with stuff in the background. We don't need your... Uh, summer collective meeting being broadcast all over social media. It's just absolute nonsense. <laughs> it is I, uh, thank Christ the Jazz don't do the Odyssey Trust Board meetings. <laughs> 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 um, and the, the question will be will there be a brand change but let's not get into that because we know how that went down this year um, let's move on um, let's switch our attention John I'm going to come back to you we're going to switch our attention to a brand another brand change which has been um, announced this week um, or as of today shall we say um, but the brand change came with a brand new name for the EIHA um, but also some new branding and a, and a new kind of focus for them in the terms of the future Yep, so this is the news that the EIHA is no more and in its place we have England Ice Hockey uh, that has taken its place. So the the governing body for the game in England uh, is going through a a transformational change, effectively. Um, They have set up a brand new brand identity uh, which will include all of the junior sections across the game will have their own brand identity from the under-10s right up to the under-18s. The same goes for the women's game, for the five uh, sections within the women's uh, and girls' game uh, as well. Uh, now, they do stress that this is not just something that's about a new logo and a new name. They are setting out as part of their new strategy four strategic pillars that they believe will underpin this new organisation. Participation, progression, performance and partnership. So they want to see those moving forward. Now, let's be totally honest, guys. We are not the experts in the EIHA. We are certainly not the experts in the EIH, given that it is an organisation that is only a number of hours old at this point, because this was just announced today. However, what I will say... Uh, and I want to give him a shout here, is that tomorrow night, Friday night, over on Banners on the Wall, on the What's Current stream, Anthony will have the 
independent, non-executive director who has been leading on this rebrand uh, and sort of gov governance overhaul for EIH. Daniel Smith is going to be on the What's Current stream. That is a fantastic pull from Anthony to get this guy in within 24, 36 hours of this brand uh, renewal for EIH. So that will certainly be worth a watch. Uh, and if I get the chance, if the wee one goes down, I will be giving that a watch because that could be quite interesting. There are a lot of comments that there are bigger fish to fry within what was the EIHA and is now the right time to do this and is now the right time to be spending money on this. Um, considering there are substantial problems with rinks right across that league, uh, the relationship with Planet Ice, the uh, issues about uh, the level of spend on their online platform for statistics and game night stats. Um, I believe they spent money on something called Sportle, uh, and that's never really come to anything. Uh, they spent quite a lot of money on it, and it hasn't come to anything, but this is the, the side that they've gone. They've gone for the rebrand, and we await to see the all the massive changes that will come uh, out of EIH. Yeah, um, I, as you say, I think you you said it right. Um, you know, obviously this is going to be stories that are going to be covered by um, a few places better than what we'll ever do it justice. Um, and I will. Well, I'm not going to lie; I won't see it live tomorrow because I'll be at the Belfast Giants game in the SSC Arena. But I will be watching it back tomorrow evening when I get home. So um, I will be interested to see what that conversation looks like and how that interview goes. Um, the one thing I did want to just have a quick mention about was um, if you can just mention or you can just ask maybe Anthony. Um, I don't know if this is a question you can ask, but what was the the idea behind the logo did you did they go out and ask local um primary schools if they could come up with an art competition to design the logo or was it just a laziness factor and just someone picked uh when were they still using windows like um what using office like what like 97 or something like that because it looks like something Here. the, the, the see, early noughties clip art see see that logo you could almost definitely say that was the same guys who did cardiff's <laughs> well, no. Let's give Cardiff a bit of credit. The Cardiff one at least looks like it's been someone's actually went in and, and actually designed something and drawn something. This one literally just looks like someone went um, click file insert clip art. Oh, look! There's a little person playing hockey. Add that's that, and that's genuinely that's what it looks like. Um, so, hey, look! Yeah. Look! When was it? When was the last time you saw any of the EIHL logos animated as a GIF? I haven't seen it. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> The one thing I will say is people have been commenting on it and saying that guy needs to get his back hand up higher on that stick because that's <laughs> in the wrong place. Oh, very good. Um, I'm going to stick with the um, with with the NIHL. I'm going to stick with um, uh, with the with the um, e well EIHA is now the EIH, um, and it's the, just a story that is. Um, has been announced today or uh, sorry it was uh, put out today was um the ice hockey teams um across the nih nihl um different divisions um have um started to receive bleed control kits as part of a program that was being run um after the result of um obviously adam's tragic passing um in um uh, in in um in October, um the Hall Ice Hockey Club were the first team. Uh, the Seahawks were are among 100 UK teams to receive a bleed control kit, um and this is part of a NHL team. The Raiders NHL team mobilised what they call Adams Angels, which the aim was to raise money for enough bleed control kits for all 106 of the UK's. Uh, well, it says here Elite Ice Hockey League and British National League teams. Um, 
partnering with a company called Turtle, which is a company that developed UK's uh, bleed-controlled cabinets and batches of life-saving kits. Um, and they have started to go out and ship out through uh, NIHL South and North Divisions 1 and 2 teams. So I know a bunch of the teams have started to get them um, as of um, today, um, or this, this week anyway. So this is a really, really great um, response, shall we say, coming out of um, what was an awful tragedy. But was having these kits... Um, having something there that is something they can run to, something they can have at hand, something that is just really easy to, to get, get get a hold of straight away. It's a bit like, you know, if you if you need um you know if you if you needed a, a defibrillator, it's almost to the same level of that. So having that, that safety and having that knowledge that you have a kit that's sitting there, if touch with it doesn't happen again, but if God forbid something did happen, the same level of same same happened, that, that they'll have something that they can use. Um Guys, I mean, this is obviously this is great news. Um, you know, obviously this is a massive um, bit of thing that's came together between you know obviously campaigning that went together um, raising funds for this. Um, Adams Angels, you know, obviously leading on this. Um, fantastic um, thing to see. Well, yeah. let's let's give a let's give a shout out to the the person who's actually organised all this, Erin uh, Rose, who's a sports therapist with the Raiders. Um, she she has pushed this and uh, gone through the partnership with Turtle, the the company that have developed the bleed kits, uh, about putting them out there, about raising the funds um, to do this. So stick taps to to Aaron because if we hope that if they are going to put out what was it 106 of these kits, I honestly hope that none of them are ever used. But if one of them is used and prevents a serious incident from becoming worse then it'll be worth it entirely. Um, I think this is fantastic. Yeah, massive stick taps. And the more steps that could be taken in light of what happened, the better. One thing I would say that I always find a bit strange is um, why a charity needs to step in here. Surely the the leagues themselves should be throwing their weight behind uh, elements like this and almost uh, mandating it with like if it's providing money to the charity or uh, making them the official, you know, partner to provide these these kits, um, because these these are semi semi professional leagues in some uh, some cases, and if it does come to the elite league, professional leagues, um, so you would hope that the the teams or and or the league would put their hands in their pockets for this charity. That's a fair enough comment. Actually, I would agree with you. Um, the one thing I will mention before we move off this story is just that um, the one thing that they did mention was that um, packs will reach all remaining teams before Christmas, and five pound for each kit um, is going to the Daniel Bird Foundation, um, and that charity is set up following uh, the death of Daniel Bird, who was 26, who was fatally stabbed in Birmingham um, on a night out with friends in 2017. There was no first aiders, no bleed control kits available, and Daniel died shortly after arriving in hospital due to bleeding. Um, so there has been funds going to that organisation as well. So it's twofold in terms of um, Adam's Angels um, doing something for uh, local teams and hockey teams providing the kits, but also an additional £5 then going to an additional charity as well. So um, it's, it's great to see coming up to the Christmas period. Um, can I last just, two stories. Can I just throw in? I can't. Can I throw in one? Just I'm not sure if we talked about it on the last podcast or not. I don't think we did because I think since okay. then and it's a story that I meant to throw in the running order and it's not there. Is the news that came out of the double IHF that they will be mandating yes. for net guards uh, from next season. So yeah. that sort of going forward, um, that is a, a major change. I think a lot of people have been waiting for 
the IIHF to make that decision. Uh, that came through their board of governors. Um, so that that is happening. That will be happening uh, as well. So a lot of people now looking at uh, the NHL now as being the next stepping stone from that with IIHF mandating it. That'll mean that the Olympics are covered. Uh, so that will mandate it for the Olympics. Uh, so eyes are on the NHL now. Uh, obviously, we talked in the last podcast about the conversations being had with the commissioner, with the Players Association, but the IIHF have uh, have stepped up and they will be mandating it. Yeah, that's true. Um, moving on to our next story and the second last story for this period, um, and we talked about we touched upon this already. Uh, but the Continental Cup final will take place January twelfth to the fourteenth, um, and it will be held uh, at Cardiff's Arena um, in in Cardiff. Uh, the Cardiff Devils are part of that final, as we know. Uh, the teams will be um, the Cardiff Devils, Nomad Astana, Herring Blue Fox, and GKS Karavici. Um, the ticket prices have also been released for that tournament weekend. The pass covers all six games. The tournament pass for all six games for an adult is £50, and for a junior, which is uh, 15 years and under, is £30. Individual games are £20 for an adult and 10 for juniors. Uh, and for non-devils games, um, it is £10 for an adult and £6 for juniors. Um the schedule is out there, so if you did want to have a look at the schedule, go over to the, the Cardiff Devils website and you will see the, um, the the schedule both covering Friday, Saturday and Sunday. I think it's a Friday 4pm face-off, Friday 8pm face-off, Saturday 3pm face-off and a 7pm face-off, and the Sunday we'll see a 3pm and a 7pm face-off. Um, I mean, it's, uh, it's good news for, for Cardiff. Brilliant. I was just looking at it there. Um, they've, If I'm reading it right, they've only allotted half a block for the uh, Blue Foxes and the Nomads. Yep. They're in the same block. They're in the same block. Um, I think, to be fair, I think they're not expecting massive crowds coming from there, but more more interesting. Well, look, I hope they they come. We know from experience that the Karawiche fans will come in force. I think they need more Um, than one of those. (laughs) But um, the interesting one, I, I don't know what the ranking, what the seeding is going into this final. I would have thought that, given their history, that Caravice would have been well on there as, as favourites, yeah. probably behind Cardiff. Uh, but the fact that Cardiff play Caravice on the Saturday and instead they play Herning on the Sunday, I thought they would have gone the other way. But like I say, I, I haven't been keeping track because, look, the Giants aren't playing in it. I don't really care. Um, I, and if I'm being totally honest, while it would be nice to see another UK team lift the, the dinner plate of destiny... Um, I, I honestly, I hope they get beaten all three games. Um, do we think fifty pound for a tournament pass for six games for an adult is good value? I think it's not bad considering the cost of operating for the the weekend for the um, arena. Um, knowing that they're not going to fill that arena for every single game, they are going to be operating at a loss for multiple of those games, uh, especially the ones where the Devils are not playing. Um, I think fifty quid is is not far off. Can you remember what it was for the 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 Conti Cup final weekend in Belfast? It, I don't think it would have been far off that. It must have been no. thirty five, forty quid back then. Put inflation in amongst that. It's, it's not far off, really. No, no, I think it's half decent price. I actually think it was whenever the price came through. I kind of thought, yeah, actually, do you know what? It is half decent price. Um, and for play for for getting the final there. Um, Dave, your thoughts? Anything else on that? Yeah, well, I love. Uh, I obviously do love the the Continental Cup. It's one of my favourite um, um, tournaments, um, and would have hoped we'd have 
uh, would have been lovely if it was um, the Giants, but obviously we had the CHL, which went really well. Um, <laughs> and uh, but yeah, uh, all part of them. Have a little, I hope they have loads of fun. Uh, from from one finals weekend to another uh, the playoff finals weekend for the elite ice hockey league has also been announced um tickets have went on sale for that already um prior to christmas which i kind of thought was a surprising uh move i thought it was a, a bit weird to put it out before christmas but hey hey ho um ticket information ticket basically has went on sale from the 4th of december uh it will see the return of format as usual so the saturday two semi-final games followed by a third and fourth place playoff game and the final on the sunday and the dates have been set for that as the um oh my god i've forgotten the dates I completely right out of my head um the 20th and 21st of april 20th and 21st of april that's it um the ticket prices have pretty much stayed the same this year as they were last year i think they're locked in place at the same point so the early bird price for an adult for the full weekend package is 99 pounds and the concession price was 79 pounds the family ticket is there again this year for two adults two concessions for 338 pounds for early bird prices those early bird prices will change the standard prices come the 25th of january 2024 where it will increase to 109 for an adult 89 for concession and the adults or the family will jump up from 338 to 368 um there is obviously a facility fee and all that kind of thing. Um, same again as usual. Um, most teams will be able to buy the tickets or can buy the tickets direct from Nottingham themselves. And a few of the, um, well, one team um, can purchase from their own um, team themselves. The Sheffield Steelers are going to be sold directly from the Steelers um, and therefore not on general sale for those Sheffield Steelers blocks. And I believe the Sheffield Steelers have added on, I think, maybe like a five or ten pound charge, I think maybe on top of that those prices, I think. Um, so just be aware of that if you are buying from the Sheffield Steelers. Um, boys, the playoff weekend, um, we were there previous weekend. It was fantastic. Great weekend, obviously, because the Giants won the weekend. But not just that. We just had a brilliant weekend. Just meeting up with all the fans, doing, this po- doing the podcast, doing the little, little bits and stuff for the podcast for the first time. John, obviously, for you, being press, uh, getting on the ice and having that experience. I mean, it was a great weekend. Yes, we see it. Um, Crash pass. It was, great week- it was a great weekend in general. It's a fantastic weekend of hockey. It's the, the highlight Oh, and look, we can argue about the format of our playoffs till we're blue in the face. Um, we can talk about the value for money for three competitive games and one Chundra Cup uh, as much as we want. In fact, uh, Anthony has done just that, comparing playoffs to the Conti Cup final in uh, in Cardiff uh, in a few weeks' time. And yeah, Anthony, you're 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 not wrong. Uh, Fifty quid for six competitive games, or a hundred pound for three games, and the the hangover cure. Yep, the Chandra Cup. Um, the, there are questions about value, but I would argue that the the playoff weekend is not just about the games. It's about the weekend itself. It's about being in Nottingham. It's about ten ten sets of fans all being in one one city, uh, overpaying for accommodation, overpaying for beer, overpaying for food. And clearly overpaying for hockey too, but it's a fantastic experience. You know, you're saying overpaying, but our, I think it was actually quite a value for our accommodation this year. It was actually pretty good. But uh, on that, uh, are you guys both Ruby talking about heading over this year? Is that still maybe the case for you? Still Certainly is for me. It's on. It's on the cards. I think if I'm going to go, I'm going to go all all in on media this year um, and just go straight in. For I'm going to get as much experience as I can at the media side of things. Uh, 
Dave, that frees you up to either join me in the media or just get as drunk as possible. And uh, I'll bring a wheelbarrow with me down the train, yeah, and uh, think- that way you can get back to the accommodation. Yeah, I was thinking that wheelbarrow might might work. Um, the likelihood of me going full on on press is slim to nil. Uh, <laughs> I can um, hold the mic with the best of them. As the best with them. Maybe we'll, maybe we will talk. Uh, maybe we will talk Aaron into going along with you boys. Uh, just, to, just keep an eye on Dave. Make sure he's okay. Unfortunately, I won't be joining you this year. Um, I won't be there to help Dave and make sure he keep them all under control. Um, I will potentially have a three week old baby by that point. Um, so I will not be joining the playoffs. Um, so that will be a completely different experience for me. Um, but I will be watching hopefully from home. Uh, if they get a TV deal or something sorted for TV. So I won't be joining us, but uh, for good reasons anyway. Um, guys, I think that's it, really, for this this period. So, is that Banners uh, inviting us to the, uh, uh, the National Division playoffs? Uh, it would be if uh, both weekends don't always tend to be on the same weekend. Uh, Anthony, I've, I've said it before, I'd love to go to the National Division playoff final weekend. If it didn't, for some reason, always fall on the same weekend as uh, the Elite League ones. I know last year it did. If it doesn't this year, then it's a potential, but uh, we'll leave it out there. You get a press uh, pass for that too. Last question before <laughs> you, last, the last question before I move on. Uh, Anthony, just that you mentioned in that, in that comment, um, the best pub in Coventry is around the corner from the Skydome. Um, we'll have to get that name off that for you because whenever me and Dave went to Coventry, we just kind of stayed in the bar at the arena after the game was over. Um, so we, we'd like to know for the next time we're at Coventry, um, whatever that might be. Um, okay, with that, we will move on to our penalty box segment because we do have two penalties to talk about uh, from here in the Elite League. So let me just find the little button here. Okay, our penalty box segment is just a coverage of uh, penalties and suspensions coming from dots um, or anything of note that we want to have a quick chat about. Um, two, two particular um, dots decisions that were made up this past weekend, um, which I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on and we wanted to discuss, guys. Um, the first one is that of uh, Cardiff Devils, Chad Petrionrio. Petri- John Petrionrio. Thank you. Uh, on Wednesday night in Glasgow, Devils forward uh, Chad was penalised with a major and a game misconduct for boarding planned defenseman Nate Callan and causing an injury. Uh, he received a three-game suspension for boarding. Video showed Cardiff dumped the puck into the zone with Callan winning the face-off to lose puck. Collectively, the puck on the side wall. Callan skates deeper into the defensive zone and avoids Devils forward Ben Davies. Chad, seeing Kaelin avoids Davies, starts accelerating towards Kaelin uh, on the forecheck. Uh, Kaelin makes a play on the puck, passing it to teammate. And after the puck is released to Chad, moving with an excessive momentum, after travelling from a distance, finishes his check into Callan, throwing him violently into the boards and causing an injury. This is boarding. To summarise, he received three games for boarding. Callum was injured on the play, did not return to the game, and as there was no history, um, and he hasn't been fined or well, he hasn't been fined or suspended either this season. Um, so he will receive a fine and a suspension for three games. The video itself and the actual hit, it does look quite violent, I think. Um, no, I it doesn't. It. Do you not think it does? No, it's not boarding. Do you not? It's charging. Okay. okay. It's not boarding. It's charging. He comes from distance. The problem is, Callan is... There was a, a hit in the NHL and there was a back and forth. I think it was uh, McDavid got smashed last week because he made a pass at the backboards and watched his own pass 
and got absolutely leveled. I can't remember who by. This is the same thing. Yeah, it, it's still Callan, Callan is watching. Callan is watching his own pass, and is not looking for the the player coming for him. The one thing that makes it a penalty is that um, Petronero comes from distance. Uh, he comes a considerable distance in to make the hit as well. The it's puck still, is gone. Still not charging though, because he he doesn't he isn't uh, moving with momentum from his feet, which is the definition of charging. He mm. has already set his feet and he's already built up the momentum from beforehand. So he is slowing down due to the nature of you know. Reduced I think momentum. he slows. I think he slows because he has to go round the other clan player. It, it I'm not discounting. To... I'm not discounting that it's not a penalty. It's definitely a penalty. I think boarding is the wrong call. Yeah, I think it's charging. closer. I think it's closer to being charging than it is to boarding. Yeah, but the but, the actual the actual definition of charging is that you're moving with your feet um, into the check, like you haven't locked into your parallel pose. You're still got momentum as you go into the check. Um, when it comes to boarding, mm-hmm. it's you've locked your feet and you're forcing them into the boards with um, unnecessary aggression. What I would say I is, know. no matter no matter if the definition of it, if if you know, obviously you know, definitely, definitely about it. Borden was what was given. It was definitely a penalty. Borden was what was given. Obviously, John, if it was you know charging, you think it's charging Borden. No matter what, neither it doesn't matter the term that was used for it. I still think when you watch the video, and especially when you watch it at full speed, it looks aggressive. It does look quite bad. I think, and that's just my own opinion. One of the only ones that when you watch it at full speed, it looks worse than it is in slow motion. Yeah. Usually, when you watch it, it in does, motion, you're like, "Oh my god!" But when you watch this one at full speed, you can. It's yeah, it's tough. It, do, it does look bad. I look, like I've said, I'm not discounting that it's a penalty. My other point is that I think Callan has to take a bit of responsibility as well. This is something that's creeping into the game because we're seeing the end of the enforcers. The other thing about the whole play is that not one clan player circles back. Not one clan player thinks that this is a bad hit. Play continues. Play goes up the other end of the ice before the referees have to stop the play because Callan hasn't moved now. I remember looking at some of the stuff on social media while this game was happening. I'm pretty sure he was knocked out uh, from this hit. But Callan has to take responsibility for his own safety on the ice as well as part of this. Um, It's a contact sport. You're going to get hit. Stop admiring your own play and be aware that you're probably going to get hit at some point and you're going to get hit hard. I don't agree with the tariff on this one either. I don't think it's three games. Um, I think we've seen other... Other hits that have been worthy of bigger tariffs, I think this is a one or two game, and nice. especially given the fact that uh, Petronero has not been before Dops up to this point. I think jumping in with three is harsh. Um, I think the the thing that I uh, I mentioned it the last time we talked about penalties, and I went on my soapbox about it. The reason he's got three is that the R Dops take into account that it, there was an injury on the play. They don't take into account whether it was in the, like I don't think he was going out of his way to injure the player by any stretch. Bad hits, personally, two games, three just seems like they've decided we don't want to see these hits anymore, um, and they're trying to put a marker down, and they're using the fact he got injured as the the excuse. Um, but they shouldn't looking. be they shouldn't be making an excuse. Yeah, no. Um, in fact, while while you're chatting about the next one, I'm gonna have a look and see if there's been any other boarding bans. Yeah, this season. I, oh no, there's loads. The, <laughs> they're all the, two games. Uh, right? The other DOPS decision that was made from this past weekend um, was that of the, um, the game on the 9th of 
December. Coventry plays to get on the Belfast Giants in Coventry. Um, in the Sky Dome, Ben Lake was penalised with the A major and a game misconduct for spearing base, base player Ian McNulty. Um, as you'll see, and as everybody hasn't seen the video, um, during play uh, as um, both are skating off or skating up the ice, yeah, come, I think they're coming off the ice anyway. McNulty engages, I think they're heading towards benches. McNulty engages Lake, who turns around, pulls his stick back and drives his blade into McNulty with a stabbing motion, causing McNulty to fall to the ice. Uh, clear definition of spearing. Um, while McNulty did engage Lake prior to the incident with a one-handed push on the back of uh, Lake's legs, uh, could have warranted a minor penalty, which caused this incident to rise to the level of supplementary discipline. Uh, Lake did turn around and confronted McNulty in a way that seemed more aggressive. Um, he, chose, he chose a disproportionate response to the situation by using a stick in a very dangerous manner and the area of the body, area of the body where the spear was delivered and the force of the blow. Um, so he received a two-game suspension and a fine uh, for spearing, uh, and there was no history um, of any other suspensions or fines in the Elite Egg for the 2023-2024 season. Um, Dave, we'll come to you first. I mean, two games. Did you? I mean, when I seen it, I was like, "What was he thinking?" Um, two two, game two games for this. Two games seems a bit excessive, in my opinion. They've obviously done it for a reason. Um, I think Ben Lake reacted in that way because I think he has an injured ankle. Um. And he was basically going, what the hell? Because um, that's what happened. The guy slashed his ankle. Um, the, but you have to be, you're, you're in charge of your own actions and your own stick and don't be stupid. Um, and leave the expletives at the door or such, you know. Um, it, it, you know, it's completely avoidable. It, it, it sounds, you know, even taking the, even if it, he only got away, say, with the two minutes, even that would have been um, a stupid penalty to take. Um, especially given the form of the the Giants currently, um, you know, it, 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 it's, you know, it's easy for me to say sitting on my uh, chair in my office that you have to turn the other cheek. But uh, whenever there's a you know, a possibility where you could be sitting out for two minutes, um, and now this became a two game, um, yeah, silly boy. Yeah, John, um, come come over to you. Um, hopefully you've done your bit of that you're looking there, and you can, I can come back to you. Okay. Um, I yep. mean, two games. You know, um, as Dave was saying, um, you know that kind of it was almost like he lost a bit of discipline in relation to his response. Um, I mean, what's your take on this? Yeah, uh, this one I, I think is is fair. Um, you, Dave said it all really on that one. You you have to be responsible for your equipment. Uh, we've all laughed at. Uh, Sort of other instances of equipment being used. I think of Joe Grimaldi throwing almost everything that he had on his person at uh, opposition players. Uh, but throw like using the stick in that manner is just not acceptable. And unfortunately, this has been this incident somewhat endemic of the discipline problem that the Giants have found themselves in when it comes to in-game play. Uh, we find ourselves in the penalty box an awful lot because discipline has been very, very poor. This is an extreme example of it, and Ben shouldn't be using his stick in that manner. Um, I think two games. I think one or two you could have been happy with here. I think the league have made a statement with two. Uh, it's don't use your stick to go at someone. The one thing I will say is that if you're going to... So Lake is is being banned here for using his stick out of play uh, in a a motion which is intended to make contact. He gets slashed in the leg at the same time. Dave, you said it. That's out of play. 
So where where is the the potential? Where is even the fine? We've seen a couple of times this season that players have been fined without being suspended. So why is there no fine uh, on McNulty for this one? Because it's an unnecessary action with the stick. Um, to me, they have to call both on this one. Um, there has to be some sort of repercussion for what was done, especially if you've got late coming from the situation where he's recovering from a lower body injury. It's it's not it's not right just to lay it all on Ben there. Uh, on the previous one that we were talking about, as far as boarding is concerned, uh, you've got two which have been one game each and one that was just a fine. <laughs> so three games for boarding. Yeah, It's nonsense. Yeah. I guarantee when you check into it, the ones that were given one game, they, there were no injuries. And this is something that I've been on that soapbox about. Yes, we don't want to see injuries, but it's not necessarily the, the reason to increase the fine. Well, they need to, they they need to clarify that. They need to clarify oh, yeah. Cla- that by saying, "Clarify." <laughs> by oh yeah, and look, it's the same <laughs> issue that we've had with. It's the same issue we've had with Dops for how long now? Is um, it's it's not clear. They're they're not telling us uh, why one is different from the other, um, and it's they're expecting us to read between the lines. If you the want stage. us to agree with the way that you're doing things, be incredibly transparent. Be very, very clear about why this is different from, say, Inglis's one-game suspension or Prince's one-game suspension for boarding. Or why is it different from Thompson being fined for boarding earlier in the season? Uh, mm. Anyway, Dobbs. And Dops. that's it. And it's, yeah, Dobbs doing what Dobbs does. Um, it's it's um, such I, a... Such a shame because we had uh, a period where they were very transparent and they seemed to be every season going a wee bit further back to where they had been um, five, well, five, ten years ago, whatever it was, you know. Um, I am going to move us on um, uh, because I'm aware of our time and, and I, we've got some still some stuff to go through. Um, but we probably we will be we will be coming back to um, a discussion around refing um, in our overtime segment because we did get a. Uh, a question or two about uh, our, our thoughts on certain things in reference so we will come back to it um, in our overtime segment so I'm going to round off this penalty box segment uh, Dave and Hannah with you for period two of hockey Hello and welcome to period two hockey where we'll talk about hockey from everywhere in the world but the UK um, and uh, since Marty is the only contributor um, I'm going to hand it back over to Marty. Oh, am I the only, oh, did, am I the only one to contribute, contribute to this? Oh, oh, what a surprise. Um, did you write the penalty box um, as well, okay. by any chance? I, I, I added that too. Um, <laughs> do, you want me just to, do you want me just to kind of um, just go Hot through? Hot luck with your order, yeah. Hot luck, okay, perfect. I'm going to start off with the first one, which is um, obviously the story coming from the AHL um, of the Bob Nardella, um, who has received a 10-game ban for using what was described as anti-gay language towards a referee in the league, um, and that was announced this week. The American Hockey League is committed to building a culture that is safe, inclusive, and free from abuse, harassment, and all forms of unethical behaviour or misconduct. The league stated in a statement, or said in a statement, during the suspension, Nardello will be permitted to participate in team practices on non-game days. He will be eligible to return to the Wolves bench on January 6th. The incident did occur uh, between the Wolves and the Texas Stars, and Texas won game 8-5. Um, uh, now, 
what was said obviously has been put out obviously for obvious reasons um but what we do know is obviously that this is a, a massive suspension for um you know 10 games is a is a big suspension obviously to receive for you know rightly so um however what should be noted is that um um the chicago's uh, head coach bob nordell did come out himself um with a statement um this com- uh, a number of days following so in which it's unusual he says, that he's been that's unusual that he's been done for this and he came out earlier in the week did he Thanks, thanks, John. Uh, he 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 put out a, the following statement on his um, on his social media channels, uh, in which he said, "I firmly deny that I made a homophobic remark during the game last Saturday, the December the 9th. Uh, I wanted to state clearly that I condemn any form of homophobic language or conduct. I'm a passionate and emotional coach who stands behind my organisation when I feel they are wronged. I accept that I lost my temper and I was wrong to do so." I have tremendous respect for the officials and the work that they do and for the league and those involved. I regret that I did lose my temper and it is how a coach should, it should not, it's not how a coach should act. But I would like to set the record straight that I did not say what I'm accused of saying. Um, and that's basically where he went. It's a he said, she he said, she said, he said, he said in this situation. Because obviously it's a ref versus a coach and what was being said. Um, but what is clear is that there's not going to be any kind of review on this. And it stands that he will receive a 10-game ban. Now, Chicago Wolves, as far as I've, as of looking from today. So this was announced on the, um, I think this was announced earlier in the week. And as of today, the 14th of December, there's been nothing else that I can see from the Wolves organization um, to say whether or not that they are, um, review, getting this reviewed they haven't said if they are standing by their coach or whatever it is but at this stage there's been no movement in relation to releasing Bob um, from his contract with the Wolves um, unless any of you guys have seen something separate or different from me um, but I think this is a case of obviously we're, we're saying obviously this is obviously the Wolves are uh, um, they're the only independent team in the NHL and don't have an NHL affiliate is what I should say but you know we obviously talk about how important it is um, you know from the leagues in terms of doing their pride events and everything else and we know the NHL this season have kind of put a stopper in some parts of that and obviously um, you know that's that plays a, a part but is this a case of you know an example of why it's needed um, or or, or do you think it's a case of more information needs to be put together in terms of to find out, you know, that obviously this he said, he said kind of argument thing that's going on? Uh, John, I, uh, did you get a chance I to read the story? I, yeah, I've read the story. I don't think specifically we need to have released what what was said or what was alleged to be said. Uh, the referee no. is making a judgment on during the game and has to make a call if he believes that something is said. That's fine. What stinks to me about this situation, and I'm, I'm not going to say that I know exactly what's happened or what has or hasn't been said, but this is the AHL. There will be a mechanism for this coach to um, appeal this ban. For him to come out in a statement and say, I didn't say this, well, that's fine. Go through the process then. Go through the appeals process and appeal your ban if you can say with your hand and your heart that you didn't do it. If not, don't come out and make a statement which is false uh, if he said what he said uh, or what is alleged to have been said um, and just accept your ban because it's not acceptable uh, and the league have deemed that your actions to be unacceptable. Accept your punishment, learn from it, move on when you're allowed back on the bench. I guess it's hard, you know, obviously Dave, um, John was mentioned there, you know, obviously go through the, the appeals process that, that's in place. But in this instance, if it's a, you know, if it is a one word against the other, um, there's no, there's not, there's not always, you know, it's not like the rest slash coaches are always mic'd up. Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. Most of the times they're not um, and therefore not picked up by, by uh, microphones and stuff. So it is a case of, you know, 
it, it would be a hard thing to kind of prove that you didn't. But then I suppose on the other hand, it'd be a hard thing to prove that you did. I guess. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah, it's it, in my opinion for the coach, even if he didn't say it, which we don't know, the league believes he did, all that. The there's nothing good can come out of the appeal because all that will happen is it will be a lot of people trying to prove that he made homophobic statements and he's not coming out of that looking well no matter if he's found guilty or innocent as such uh, because people only will only report on what is reportable they won't really care if it's you know in, uh, he's proven innocent or not um if you're uh, but on the other side of that um if you're going to impart bans of this caliber um then you need to mic up your coaches if that's what you're going to be doing um you know so that it removes that ambiguity and i know that that's an extra uh cost and and all that but if that is something you're enforcing and to enforce at that level then you need to put in the uh, the equipment in the same way that they do for um the actual hockey um, so you have to get if you're going to enforce the the those other bits, you need to give it the same care and attention. You wouldn't award a goal without knowing the goal's been scored. Um, in the same breath, you shouldn't be suspending unless you have somebody to that you have the evidence to do it. Um, yes, it's uh, if he has said it and is hiding behind the well, you can't prove it, then that's awful. Um, but um, it, it, there's I guarantee you there's more people that are getting away with it than they're uh, that are getting caught. So if they if they want to do it properly, make all their coaches up. Yeah, agreed. Um, anybody have anything else in that story before I move on? Nope. Um, Dave, I'm going to move on to the next one then, if that's okay. Um, and this is yep. uh, following obviously a very familiar name from the Elite Ice Hockey League um, and the Belfast Giants um, taking over as a um, a coach um, or on the coaching staff for your own Minnesota Wild um, in our last recording. Um, we have another announcement this past week in the form of former clan player coach Drew Bannister has been named the interim head coach of the St. Louis Blues. Uh, Bannister was clan player coach in 2011-2012 and was also a player assistant coach for the whole Stingrays uh, in the season before that. Early um, going up in the world. It's fairly taken over. Holsting Reyes, uh, clan, and now up to um, the, the the interim coach for the St. Louis Blues. Um, similar to what we said in our last podcast, I mean, it's great to see, you know, those names from the Elite League popping up in, in, in the world of, you know, of in, in the the high pinnacle of, of our sport. Sure. I mean, the show, they're, they're appearing in the show for, for in whatever way they are. Maybe not as players, but they're still hitting those impacts, you know, in terms of, you know, head coach just as important. I mean, John, I mean, this is, this is something, another great coup, I suppose, for, for the Elite League to kind of have a name, their name put across because obviously the, the, the pits that were put out whenever they're talking about his history and his background, obviously the Elite League pops up um, as, part of, as part of his history. Um, it just brings it to the forefront well, of the NHL. It's his last pro team. Uh, he he retired as a, a player uh, straight out of uh, well as it was then Brayhead um, uh, it's interesting looking at his stats from, from that year so 51 games, uh, 13 goals 29 assists for 42 points, 110 penalty minutes uh, across the, the season so he's sitting on just over or round about actually two, two penalty minutes a, a game um, so not the worst uh, but 
clearly. Uh, maybe someone who's who's got a, a mildly short temper on him. Takes no uh, nonsense by the size of things. Takes no nonsense, likely to be a, a decent uh, kind of guy in the room as well. Uh, but not take away from his other pedigree. Uh, I mean, this is a guy who has previous Tampa Bay um, for a, a couple of season, Oilers for a couple of season, Ducks, back to the Lightning, uh, the Rangers, uh, back to the Ducks again, where his last NHL, over to the Liga, um, and then a couple of seasons in Russia, the Dell, uh, Dell 2, and then finishing up uh, across in the Elite League with Hull and Brayhead. So this is a this is a guy with a, a, a decent tick list behind him. Uh, so smart hire. Um, he's obviously had a quiet few years building up uh, his managerial experience and stepping up to the show. Now, it's the point to make that he's only been hired as an interim head coach at the minute with the Blues. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether he just sees, sees through this season uh, and the Blues look to make a, a change. But again, like you say, Marty, he'd seen the Elite League uh, for what is basically the second time in a month be highlighted because of uh, coaching changes within the NHL. It's fantastic. Um, it maybe hasn't went down very well with the fan base, um, just in relation to the decisions that were made. Um, let's, let's be honest. Um, I think the, the majority of response from the fan base there instantly has been quite um, negative in relation to it. I don't think it was his fault. I just think I think they believe that the ownership of the team, uh, they didn't feel that the last coach was the, the issue. And I think that they were quite loud about saying that. The one comment that I did love about that I read, um, which I just wanted to highlight here, um, was from a person um, whose Twitter handle or X handle is at RedBlue1922. His his tweet was phenomenal. It was like, now, definitely, now this coach is one who definitely inspires confidence. I mean, that's a man that the players can really lean on. Yeah, exactly. Thanks. <laughs> I'm glad you found this funny. He'll, he'll lead them. Um, he'll lead them well up the ladder. Hey. Uh, um, so, yeah, another, another great. Um, another, another great um, move. Another um, great to see that that happening. Um, and another good, another name, uh, familiar name in the NHL. Uh, my last story for this period. Before we do have a penalty box set, we do have a penalty box one to talk about in this period as well, Dave. Um, but my last story for this period is the story that came out uh, i think it was yesterday late on or yesterday afternoon or i should say december 13th for anybody who's watching this or listening to the podcast on friday um monumental sports has announced plans to move the washington capitals and the washington wizards home arena from washington dc to alexandria virginia this is 100 being confirmed um, and the capitals and the wizards will be moving um to new home in 2025 i believe is the date that they've got for this um I suppose this is a big one. Um, I don't think anybody was expecting this news to come out. I think this has taken a lot of people by surprise. Um, moving the head, the Washington Capitals as they are outside of the, the main area of where they were kind of obviously born and, and obviously where they belong in terms of the, the capital um, city of, of in America. I mean, moving it to Alexandria, is, are we going to see a, a name change? Um, or Sorry, thank you, Anthony. He's corrected it. The development will start in 2025 and they will move in 2028. Thank you so much. Um, but, I mean, do we see a name change? Do we see... Or outside I mean, of uh, DC, are they? Yeah, they're outside of DC. They're, they're into VA. So it, I, I can't see how they continue as... Well, for a start, I don't see how they continue as Washington. Um, 
so I I think we see uh, a new new name. Uh, Anthony's making the point that it's still sort of in the metro it's area. Like um, it's suburban. And to be honest, it's probably no different. Like I've spoken about how Glasgow. Um, Ottawa. Well, Glasgow's a good example. Um, <laughs> Ottawa. Ottawa is one. And actually, I've seen. I think maybe in the run up to this, I think this was known. This announcement was kind of coming, and a few places on on X and other social medias have been putting out um, where your team would be if they were as far away from City Hall as Ottawa's uh, Canadian Tire Centre is. Some of them are brutal. Um, like some of them are out like way beyond the public transport networks. Like Ottawa is awful. How they get away with having that arena as far out the city as it is. Like it took me three buses to get there, and that was from the city centre. Uh, trying to get out there. Maybe it's easier here. Maybe they can argue that the branding stays the same. Um, but I don't know. I I'd be inclined to change things up a little bit, given that you're moving. You're moving home. Yes, it's nice to continue on. Uh, a a brand, but uh, I'd, I'd like to move it, move it on. It's lit. It's literally like, um, I'm sorry, I just decided to look it up in the map, um, and it is there's like the dotted line for the DC area, um, and it's just like uh, on the map, it's like less than a centimeter. It's really, really close. Um, obviously, DC being um, uh, what it is, um, it's uh, you know basically really condensed in a small small space um you know literally just the, the city um being in uh well parts of it being kind of in maryland kind of in uh virginia um it's the you know that tiny sort of microcosm if this was for example london they would still technically count as being in london um but it, it's just the fact that dc has very strict lines of when it ends because yeah. of the nature of uh, the usa I mean, let's look at the let's look at the positives though um, for this move. I mean, because there there is some positives that can be taken from this. Um, obviously, the decision to move both the, the wizard, uh, wizards and the capitals out of their their current home in DC um, to a, a new state of the art arena. Um, just as nine, it's eight point six miles down the road from where they currently are. Um, it's a twenty thousand seat arena that's going to be designed. It's new practice facilities for both teams. There's going to be an expanded esports facility, a performing arts venue and they'll have what they're calling a fan plaza. Currently, if you go to Washington and you've went to see the Washington Capitals, the, the stadium for the Caps is right in the center of DC. There's not a lot of fan plaza area space for that to take place. So, I mean, even having that as, a, as, a, as an area, and a, like if you think about whenever we went to Vegas and having just that, those, that area congregate to congregate for all the fans to get together have all that stuff that little square just outside their arena i mean having that really does make an, make an effect in terms of the environment on game day itself so having something like that even even will will add to the overall experience for fans going to um, those games i mean i think in general it's a it's a positive in some ways yeah yeah no i i do think i do agree the um having more facilities outside of just the match um, does nothing but help the, the game night experience. Um, and it definitely is a, a huge, in the long term, will be a huge win. Um, it'll just depend on whether they continue to lean into their um, uh, their current identity or if they decide to do this as a fresh one. Personally, I'd be staying with the same branding and uh, identity just because of um, what, what they've started to build. I know they haven't 
uh, you know, I suppose they have won their trophies, but, but you know. Um, yeah, Anthony. The, Anthony, as our as our Caps fan, uh, has come back and said that the owner has confirmed that they won't be changing name. Oh god. So the branding stays the same. The caps remain. It, to be fair, I didn't think they would. It was just a kind of a tongue-in-cheek kind of uh, joke and comment about it because obviously moving out of Washington, moving out of DC, um, it was a bit of a tongue-in-joke, uh, tongue-in-cheek. Um, we didn't think they were going to change name um, realistically, um, but it was just uh, it was definitely an interesting do you, story. In, do you think they they changed their logo and put Mel Gibson's face on the eagle? <laughs> 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 you never know. Start saying purple, yeah. funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, th- yeah, that's the last story. Yeah. Um, I think then we're ready to move on to the penalty box, and then you can kick that off too. I will do. <laughs> um. Yep. I have one penalty, one big penalty, actually. To talk about. Um, oh yes, I've seen this one. Done the rounds. Um. I think this was on everybody's um social media screens. Anybody who's a hockey fan, anyway, I think probably seen this at some point this past week. Um. The Detroit Red Wings forward David Perron has been suspended for six games without pay for cross-checking Ottawa Sanders defenseman Artem Zub uh, during NHL game number four one and two in Detroit on Saturday, December 9th, The National Hockey League's Department of Player Safety announced. Incident occurred at 13.50 on the first period and Perron was assessed a match penalty. Under the terms of the collective bargaining agreement and based on the average annual salary, Perron will forfeit $148,437.48. The money goes to the Players Emergency Assistant Fund. Um, Boys, did you see? Did you see this hit? I mean, did you? I mean, I mean, if you watch it, um, aren't Zub just kind of? I mean, he collapses. Um, like he, like he, like a bag of, like a bag of spuds, like properly goes down and is unconscious. Like how has to be helped off the ice um, by two teammates. Well, I mean, no, that's 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 the it's the cross check that comes in. So after that, yeah, Zeb Zeb is, Zub, sorry, is the one who has clear has done something. Now the video sorry, only starts yes. after sorry. the other Red Wing yes. player is down Apologies. in front yes. of the crease. Yes. Now when Peron comes in. Because the video starts too too early, I, I I can't see what's happened. I can't see why the Red Wing is down, um, so I don't know what action has been taken there. Uh, but if you want to hold someone to task, you you grab them, you drop the gloves. What you don't do is cross check someone in the side of the head like this, um, especially so, whenever that person's calling for the medic. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's the thing that got me. He's literally waving for the medic, and then yep. this comes into the face. You know, it's. It's it's brutal. It is absolutely brutal. It is a rush of blood to the head, doing something stupid. I mean, this is this is Joe Grimaldi level of nonsense mm. when it comes to tr- being an enforcer on the ice. Um, absolutely, like despicable. T- literally trying to take the guy's head off. The only way that could be worse is if he two-handed swung his stick at him uh, in the head instead of actually um, cross-checked him. It's absolutely brutal. And um, six games, like f- yeah, hundred percent. And uh, oh, glad to see, glad to see that fines. We can actually be told by the biggest league in the world <laughs> what the fine actually means and where it goes. Take yep. note, elite league dops. Is it a, is it a case of maybe is it elite league dops? Is like um, you get fined for the games that you're not playing. You get fined that a certain amount for the days that you don't play. I one day of your wage, and therefore they don't want to tell people how much wage the player is on. Is that what it is? Is that what we're trying to? Is that what we're learning? Two, um, two pints of lager and a pint of crisps. You know. So. <laughs> oh, harsh, harsh. Um, I, what I will say is. Um, 
you know, this is obviously one hit that happened this week. This is one um, hit that happened this week, which is obviously caught and um, suspend, the suspension was obviously granted for this one. I don't know if it's you guys or if it's just me or uh, if you guys have been seeing just a lot more just really aggressive hits this past mm. week or so in the NHL. Um, it's not this week. Story, this is, story, this is endemic. I've seen a story this going is. about today. Sorry, um, I'll just finish what I was saying there. Um, I, I seen a story this week where it was they were saying about how is it a case of the style of play is changing and and therefore is it just that the, the what what used to be a what used to be kind of like a, a defenseman's bread and butter in terms of how they did, how they defended and hit and checked has has kind of changed with these new kind of style of play from forwards and stuff and it was quite an interesting one, um, but. John, sorry, you were saying there. That mean it. Uh, it's uh, it's a major. We're seeing it in every, we're seeing it in every league. It's a major part of uh, fighting and enforcers coming out of the game. Uh, the speed is increasing. With the speed increasing, uh, and the the stature of players also increasing and becoming more more and more athletic, it means the hits are getting bigger as well. And with no one with the enforcers not being there uh, and nobody really... I mean, you still get the odd fight, but nowhere near what we used to get. People are getting away with bigger hits. So because they feel like they can get away with it, they're willing to take a, a, a bigger risk with the physical side of play to try and take out top-end players. Um, I talked about it before. If I get the chance, I'll, I'll send you guys the link to the, the hit that was made on McDavid. But three, four seasons ago that hit doesn't get made because somebody goes over and takes that guy's head off for hitting their top line scorer now you end up with a situation where rather than having enforcers you've got people like Perron who have to go over and cross check someone in the head and that's where we see these hits coming in Uh, and it's people making rash decisions because there's no one else to make any sort of effort to make somebody pay for a bad hit yeah, I do agree with comment. that. And yeah. also with the um, changes to the body armor and uh, whatnot has made it less likely that you'll injure yourself yep. um, in your hit. Um, so the the hits have got got bigger. Um, uh, you know, it's something we have seen similar in boxing um, with the the gloves getting. Um, uh, the padding getting better and the protection around the boxer's hands getting better. This has led to bigger injuries to, to actual boxers uh, because they're able to hit harder. And it's the same same sort of thing we're seeing here. Um, and it, it's um, it's probably going to get worse before it gets better, um, you know, because it's not going to be an easy fix. Yep. Yep. Um, well, I think that's us then. That's the last piece for uh, period two and the penalty box. So I think we're good to move on to period three. Period three is our general knocky, knocky news. news. Knocky news is anything and everything else in the world of hockey that we don't think fits neatly into period one or period two. Or it's very quickly becoming our period where we talk about nothing but jerseys. But we're going to start with a couple other things before we get stuck into a few jerseys here. Uh, Marty, you've got a couple of stories here that I want to come to. I did see this first one. Uh, the the kids game. Uh, kid decided to throw a, a, a particular object onto the ice and it's had a, an impact on a player. Yes, and actually the other story you're talking about, I've added it into your your 
your your part of yours so you can just talk we can talk about the other part at the end of your talk about jerseys because it falls in the same category and it's images so we'll show it on screen um yeah this was a 10 game miss 10 minute misconduct um was awarded in the in the ECHL game recently um and I'm going to need John I'm going to need your support and your help uh, to name this player again um I'm going to call him Kirill um I'm not going to try to t to yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's. I'll be honest. That's a lot of wise in a name. <laughs> that's a lot of wise. I don't know how to pronounce that. At I'm all. gonna go with Tutiev. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with Tutiev, and I might be completely I'm, wrong. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take that because it looks okay. So we'll go with Tutiev as well. Uh, but he was handed out a 10 minute misconduct for throwing a chicken nugget back into the crowd um a child as you say or someone uh threw a chicken nugget onto the ice uh during the game um and as res- response um Kirill launches the chicken nugget back into the crowd um and i believe it did hit someone uh, in the crowd um but as a result he received a 10 minute misconduct um for his actions of throwing it back onto the uh the, uh, back into the crowd or uh, supposed not even throwing it he um lobbed it back in using his stick um but 10 minutes for throwing uh 10 minutes for 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 chicken nugget um launching what do you think is it new for i think you? To be, you ever heard it before too, oh, i've too never heard of somebody game, <laughs> <laughs> honestly that's high protein like if, if he's knackered he should be just lifting that and eating it um and there's mustard you know <laughs> but, but someone did, um, no you can you can under you can understand like for I, I believe I read somewhere that this was a a special like daytime game that was put on between now this is Kalamazoo and Toledo uh, the Walleyes um, and the 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 player uh, himself is from Toledo um, and obviously it's a crowd full of kids I think it was a lot of school groups and things were were at this game kids get out of control fairly easily someone's thrown a, a chicken nugget on the ice and uh, it's got launched back it doesn't really matter what when the game is or who the crowd are or anything a player has to understand that launching something back off the ice no fan should put something onto the ice but launching mm-hmm. it back with the speed and force that you can get on it with a hockey stick should should not be the way that you do things because if that's a puck then that's that's going to cause serious injury anthony's on fire (laughs) (laughs) yes chicken nuggets chicken nuggets do fly better than chicken wings as it turns out (laughs) the one thing as well i did like is the the angle of the video that was taken for this one uh was done right in front of a wendy's sponsorship banner um, (laughs) clearly right in the middle of, of the screen um so i thought that was really it was it was it's pretty good uh, product placement right there. Um, I don't know. I'm sure Wendy's do do chicken nuggets. Obviously, you don't have Wendy's. Oh, oh, you used to have Wendy's. I think there's a Wendy's in England somewhere. I think there's like one or two, I believe. I think, or there used to be anyway. Anyway, uh, anyway, moving welcome, on. Welcome to the Door 14 fast food podcast. Yeah. <laughs> moving on. Wild speculation. <laughs> uh, Marty, if you want to switch up uh, what's on the screen here, uh, let's yeah. let's get into... The, the festive um, jerseys and festive gear side of things. So, guys, I couldn't help but put this up first. Um, the Nashville Predators last week had Star Wars night. Now, in amongst some incredibly terrible acting that was put on their X and other social medias with some players reliving some classic moments from Star Wars, this, the, the Baby Yoda jersey that they wore for warm-ups, 
um, and that were available uh, to the first 100 fans who uh, went through the doors and were willing to part with just $50. That is a fantastic jersey. I absolutely love that. What's the What's the thoughts? You know, anything, anything, anything that's got Grogu on it, I'm, I'm in, you know, I'm sold, you know. Yeah, Sorry, that's right. I, I shouldn't have said Baby Yoda. I should have said Grogu. Yeah, no, I did. Okay, yeah. so that's our, that's, our, that's our first one. Sorry, Dave. I do like the Prez logo in the stars. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Oh, I hadn't noticed that. That's pretty good. Um, yeah, I do love this one. Um, I, and I agree that even even I would wear gold in this case. Um, I do like this one. Uh, next You're one. Damn right, it's gold. Yeah, so things got even more interesting. So we've had a few uh, EIHL teams have released Christmas jerseys up to this point. I think all of us are currently wearing some uh, different variation of uh, Giants Christmas jerseys from seasons past. Uh, and guys, I'm, I'm not, I, I didn't forget. I got my dicko out. It's over here. <laughs> this, this is my gar side. This is my gar side. But it's Christmas time, so I've got to get my dicko out. Um, Coventry Blaze have released this. Now, I have my own feelings on this jersey, guys. Um, I think it's awful. I don't know where it says Christmas. It's obviously a snowy... It's a snowy... Yeah. It's a snowy (laughs) townscape, uh, but other than that, I'm lost in amongst this jersey. If it wasn't for the sled, it looks like their Halloween jersey, doesn't it? Yeah. It's too busy. There's too it much is, going on. It is so busy. It, it, like, I mean, it's an assault to the eyes. Like, it's so busy. Like, so much going on. You know what I do like? The candy canes on the neck. I do like that. Yeah, that's the only design element I like on this. Uh, <laughs> is is that the rest of that is just... That is an example of how not to design, not just a Christmas jersey, but any jersey. That thing is horrendous. God love anyone who buys uh, shirt off the back tickets for that one in Coventry. Uh, I believe that's been uh, worn in the next week or so, uh, obviously, because Christmas is only about a week and a half away now. Um, so good luck to anyone. However, another team in Coventry have done a much better job, and this is the NIHL Blaze. Oh, that's nice, guys. This this is I mean this is a team playing out of the same building. That is a Christmas jersey. That's a proper jersey. I like it. You've got yeah, the Christmas design. Yeah. It's an ugly sweater design. Yeah. It's got the snowmen on it, and even what they've done with their logo is just—it's fantastic. Love the the only thing I don't like—the only thing I don't like—is the font that they've used for the uh, name and numbers because it oh, looks, I like oh, I like it too. I really like it. Too. I don't know. Yeah. I think it looks like bones. No, I think it looks really like it looks kind of like you know something like from an old like. Santa Christmas movie kind of idea, yeah, like like a something like a Scandinavian or something. Yeah, it does look quite like that. I do like it. What I like about this is that, as you guys have said, like it is that ugly sweater idea, but it's an ugly sweater done well. Yeah. Does that make sense? So we've seen the ugly sweaters, other teams doing ugly sweaters before, which just didn't really work, or there's too overpowering. This one works really, really well. Um, yeah, I agree. I really like this one. It's really nice. Yeah, they've they've got that absolutely spot on with that one. We move on then. Um, So keeping it within the Elite League, and I do think that we've shown this because I think we showed this whenever uh, the Giants released this, but I thought it's the last episode before uh, Christmas, so let's revisit it again. Um, Guys, again, I I made my comments on this jersey before. Um, Don't get me wrong, it's not a Coventry Christmas jersey, uh, but 
it's uh, it's lazy. Uh, it, it's not my favourite jersey ever. They've thrown a few candy canes and a few different coloured snowflakes on there, and that's about it. Uh, I'm I'm not a real fan. They haven't even made an effort with Finn this year, which feels really disappointing. Like even you'll probably not be able to see it, but on my on my dicko, Finn at least has a beard and a Santa hat. Mm-hmm. I think that yeah, it's it's not my favorite Christmas jersey. Um, the it sounds really random, but I, yes, it's it's a bit lazy. I think the, the candy canes actually make it worse. I think even if it was if it had just been the snowflakes, it probably actually would have looked better. Um, it's just a bit out there. If you know what I mean, it's not very you know. They've just went. I need a few generic things. Let's slap them on. Um, it's, there's nothing wrong and again as like I said this is the time there's nothing wrong with it just not great it's yeah. uninspired I think we've mentioned doing a couple of jerseys it's just very yeah okay, yeah I know it's like it's, it's, it is what it is it's fine but yeah I think there's been better designs in the past and, and yeah just, it's I do not like, really I do like a bit of over topness sometimes with it you know these jerseys the one I'm wearing at the minute is the most tacky Christmas jumper you'll ever have but I love it you know the silhouetted Santa and all you know yeah. Um, so yeah, we've seen better. Um, but when it comes to sort of design elements, we're, we'll go back over to the the NIHL, Marty. Now, um, and let's have a look at the Swindon Wildcats. They've gone a different way with it. Uh, they've gone with the the elf motif. Um, it's much more simple. Um, I don't think I've seen numbers as big as this on the back of a jersey for a long time. Um, <laughs> but. This to me, this this kind of works in a simple. Yeah. If you're going to do something simple, do it do it well, and this I does mean, simple well. The thing is, like I, uh, like the Giants one there now is quite it's quite tame compared to ones they've done previously. The Giants did something similar to this last year, the year before. Remember they went all out yeah. as an elf thing, and they had the players dressed in like elf socks, and it was yeah. complete. The full look was was I think one night they had them as Santa. I think was one of the nights they had jerseys and stuff was designed like Santa. And then on the second Christmas night, they had them in elf outfits that looked very similar to this. And I like it when they go with this idea of like all out, go for it. If you're going to do a festive jersey, just just go all out and just do it. Um, and I think, yeah, I like this one. I do like this one because they, they are embracing it. And it's just like, you can probably tell, like this is like, this is a proper Christmas. And, you know, kids that are going to be in the arena, I mean, the big thing about it is we all know that when it comes to the festive games, um, the festive games are usually a bit earlier in the day. Lots more kids come into the festive games like we do, like we see in a Sunday game here in Belfast. It's it's part and parcel for, for, the, for kids as well. The kids will love these jerseys as much as the adults probably will as well. But like, it's just, it's fun. I do like, I know we're, uh, it's, I, I like this one. I do like it. I do like the overtopness. Um, and I think I prefer this over the, the ones we've seen so far. Great. Yep. I'm going to stick with jerseys just for a second, Martin. We're going to have a, a jump over to Dundee. Uh, however, we're, we're not sticking with the Christmas motif just for a second here. Uh, we're, we're jumping ahead to Hogmanay, actually, to New Year's. Uh, the Dundee Stars recently did a competition to uh, design a tartan for the Dundee Stars. Uh, they had over a thousand entries to the competition. And Frankie Henry... Primary 5 from Tayview Primary School in Dundee uh, was the competition winner. He got some uh, guidance and advice from local fashion designer Haley Scanlon uh, after having won the competition, to be fair, to finalise his design and how it would look in a jersey. And uh, the stars uh, 
took him down to the the V&A museum brand new fantastic building in Dundee seafront uh, or on the on the Tay I should say uh, it's not really the sea there um and they finalized what his jersey's going to look like and the stars have put this out just this week <sighs> we had a conversation on our WhatsApp about this and I feel like he has been a little bit short changed on this the the stars have gone with the grey being the the dominant colour, with the tartan being contained to within the stars. I'd like to see that tartan shown off more. It's it's a muted tartan. It's a, a, a blue and red tartan with a few little golden green tones through it. Um, great looking tartan. But I, I'm not sure about the, the final design of this jersey. The Scotsman in you is completely showing through right now, John Ford. Um, <laughs> I, I we know you love like we we talked about that um, tartan jersey that the clan put out earlier this season, and you loved it because it was over the top. It was all like it was properly in your face. Um, I'm the opposite way around with this jersey in that I really really like this jersey and the fact that the tartan is it's there, it's clear to see, it's amalgamated well into this jersey. It looks in place and it's not overwhelming. Um, I think sometimes whenever some of the jerseys use the tartan and it's like right in your face, like your Fife one is just completely overwhelming and again to the senses whenever you look at it. But this one I really like because it's there and you can see it and it's clear what it is and it's a nice subtle tone to it and it's definitely something I would I would like I like. Um, and, and again, that's, but again, I think that's just a your your Scottishness obviously coming through. You like it. like if it was fully tartan, I think you'd love it. Um, or as I'm completely opposite way around, I think this looks really well. I think it's done quite tastefully. I think they're very close. They're very close to getting it right. Um, and the thing that is annoying me is the bold red. And I know why they're doing it. They want to you know, emphasize the additional color. But if it had to have been just the tartan star mm. and with maybe a okay. white outline, so yes. you increase the amount of tartan um, okay. and get rid of that bold red, um, I think that would work really well. Because um, And even adding a little bit more tartan on the back, as well, because it's only going to you know, there's, there's only going to yeah, be like if, I think if the numbers, if the numbers, if the numbers, if the numbers yeah, had numbers. been yeah, yeah. yeah sublimated with that, and I also think that the the hem at the bottom and the arms could yes. also have been in the tartan, yeah, right, they, as well, just to add those white, details. If they keep the white border, then they can add spots of that tartan wherever they want without it becoming yep. too busy. Um, yeah. Like if it's along the hem, then you can use the white to break it up between the two areas. Um, you could have changed it instead of having a white. A, a hem do a stripe a tartan stripe over the the elbows um, but then, and you might get a lovely bit of color there but but then do we do, do, was this design you were saying that this kid um did this design the, the tartan design but he did he also help with the did he also get to um take part in the design of the jersey itself like he, he yeah so to design itself? to design the jersey he got to help but uh the fashion designer Haley scanlon uh helped put the whole jersey together um okay. so She's she's had a, a major hand in putting this together. I think they're okay. I think they're almost there, but it's just not quite sort of, Yeah. Yeah, it's not it's not polished enough. Um I love what they're going Mike for Mike saying pretty much the same that there's just they're missing out on things. Put the tartan stripe over a shoulder, um, Dundee logo through the middle of it. Yeah, absolutely. That would look great. It would look like a a, a tartan sash. It would look like yeah. um so over the shoulder, that type of thing. Yeah, that it would be absolutely brilliant. Hopefully um, they keep the tartan and they keep using it um, now yeah. that they have it. Um, that's the big thing. They, they make it key to their, their third jersey, for example. Um, I think they'd be on to a winner because um, we know that sells, um, especially yeah. in, obviously in Scotland. 
and uh, if they can make it part of the identity, then it's not just the Dundee Stars, it's Dundee Stars, and it's their tartan. It becomes a big yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah. But that, that becomes a merchandising thing as well. Yeah, like yeah. You don't just have to put it on a jersey, you can put it on a lot of stuff. Yeah, right. and that, that could be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, right, let's go sort of wintery festive again, Marty. And uh, you threw this one in, so I'm going to let you take it. Yeah, um, this was obviously um, another hockey-themed, Christmas-themed um, uh, festive item um, that has been put out this past week. Um, this is a mask belonging to um, Vlad Podiaplosky from the KHL. Um, this was unravel. Uh, uh, this was revealed at the All Star Game, which happened recently. Um, I mean, this is probably one of the coolest um, buckets I have seen ever designed. I genuinely think this thing is fantastic. I love the pom pom at the top. I love the stitching at the back of it, uh, and even the whole way through with its woolen look and. And if you really zoom into it, you can clearly see the little individual parts where it looks like it's all individually uh, put together. Like it's been like, um, like literally someone has knitted the whole thing together. Um, I just think the whole concept of it is fantastic. Um, I'm a big fan of, of, of um, like winter hats anyway. So this definitely, um, definitely is something I really, really like. The, uh, John, you're uh, shaking your head. Nope. The hat is cool. <laughs> the scarf is cool. The idea of having ears and sideburns and a bit of hair sticking out the bottom painted on your lid, absolutely not. No chance. You know what puts me off? The skin on the cage. Yep. I can live with it on the sides. It's, it's the skin on the cage. It just looks a bit... <laughs> it's, it's like flesh mask. Like... It's just, I'm it's like body... Yeah. yeah, it's like body horror a little bit. Like, I'm, I'm not here for it, really. Whatever, like the, I can live with the sides, but the the, the hat and pom pom is just absolutely inspired. Yep, that is. I, you're just you're just haters. You're just complete haters. Um, the, the one thing <laughs> no I was saying, not, isn't that right? Um, non, I should just mention. Obviously, we're talking about the. I would just mention this was revealed for the KHL All Star Game. Um, the one thing I will say is there's another goaltender in the KHL All Star Game that um, hit the headlines this week or hit the, the news. Um, just kind of quickly touch upon this before we move on, um, and that is this uh, the game where the former Moose goalie um, Burden picked up the puck behind his goal, went length of the ice, uh, dangled his way through defenders, and scored the sixth goal um, of the game. Um, even strength as well. Even strength. Uh, th- did you guys see it? Mm-hmm. I'm just saying it's an all-star game. It's it's a designed breakaway. Let's let's not blow this play out of proportion. No, like if that happens in a normal game, he gets leveled before he reaches center ice. (laughs) Yes, I agree. It's a a penalty at center ice, so Um, it's a penalty as he crosses the center ice. So it it was worth it was worth the note because it was pretty fun to see because you don't see it that often. I just thought some lovely stick skills. Yeah. Right, that brings us to the end of Noki News. Uh, is this my moment to have a moan, Marty? Um, I will give you two minutes. I'll give you a minute and a half to moan. Start minute now. and a half to moan, right. Minute and a half to moan. As most of you know, we've started uh, a new segment on the podcast called 14 with 14, uh, where we are trying to chat with uh, the 14s across the league, of which there are, I believe, seven. uh, And we're also throwing it out to the three number 15s that are across the league as well. Uh, This last three weeks, 
I've been trying to get in contact with the the remaining teams that I haven't been able to get in uh, touch with, uh, of which there were, up until this week, seven of. Uh, now, one team have given us assurances uh, that we can chat to them in the new year. And this week, I got assurances from another team uh, that we can have a chat with them in the new year and we'll organise something. However, that still leaves more than half of the league who have not picked up their emails, haven't bothered to respond, and no matter what way I go through, short of actually picking up the phone and phoning their offices to force a reaction, they're they're just not interested. Some are super interested. Like we've seen, we've seen Guildford, the team who nearly won the league last year, were one of the first ones to jump on and say, absolutely, John, we'd love to sort that for you. We've seen Fife, who were very quick as well to come on and say, yeah, let's do it. 15 seconds. The rest rest of the league seems to be quite happy to remain the biggest secret in sports. We're offering free PR. We're offering to get your players out there, your brand out there. And we're big in Columbus. Come and chat to us. We are big in Columbus. Fantastic. Um, I was expecting that to say shut up John (laughs) I didn't have that ready I should have Um, next time next time I will Um, we have one last part of our episode before we sign off for this week and it is our um, overtime segment Um, we have technically two pieces so we will run through both because I think it's worth it Um, I don't mind that we're running over a bit this week Um, it's okay Uh, the first one is uh, coming back to the refing in the Elite Ice Hockey League Um, we did have a, a question from um, who's becoming one of our um, who, one of our biggest followers and um, who's always usually on I don't know if he's on tonight or not um, but Fuzzy number one um, our friend of ours Fuzz um, he has sent our second question. our second, second most loyalist apologies. fan yeah, our second, yes our second most loyalist fan uh, another week another coach I'm going to change the word that he put in um, he said oh, sorry, but I'm going to change it to annoyed at the standard of refing in the league is this the worst standard we're seeing from wrong calls to missed calls would like to hear your thoughts um i think this is in reference to this past week we've seen um mark lefebvre i think it wasn't from the dundee stars um losing his cool and completely smashing i think a stick um completely frustrated with calls were being made there in that game uh, we also seen um the head coach of the belfast Gi- Gi- giants adam keith not uh, not losing his cool um at the things that happened this past weekend with a certain ref that was on the league but in his post-game interview there was a, a nice little snippet and a gif of uh what we could say is adam making it very clear using his eyes and his eyebrows about what he thought of the standard of refing in the league this past mm-hmm. weekend um john i'll come to you first so you know given uh you know given fuzz's question there what's your thoughts do you feel that uh, the standard has dropped a bit um from previous seasons um, I think it's a hard one. Um, we have been used to a certain level of officiating in the elite league, and staying diplomatic on it, that level has not been fantastic. Um, however, the caliber of player who's coming to the league, the caliber of the coaching, the passion that's coming from the coaching staff and from players, is ever increasing. The professionalism of the teams is increasing as well. And what's not increasing at the same rate is the the skill base uh, and the consistency of the refereeing. 
Um, and that's that's across the board. You could uh, single out one or two, uh, as the likes of Scott Conway have. Uh, <laughs> or if you look at um, social media, you will know that one or two referees in particular, their name gets bandied about. Yes, they need to be supported to increase their skill base. Let's not forget that one or two of our referees are consistently called up by the IHF. Uh, so they are seen to be of a level that they are called to the IHF. And one of those names in particular who constantly gets called up is one of the ones whose name is banding about just now about uh, lack of consistency and a lack of professionalism uh, coming from his on-ice demeanour. Um, there has been a lot of chat about uh, not being able to take what they give out uh, when it comes to the use of language during a game. And I think that seems to be very, very true, actually. I think there are officials who need to grow a slightly thicker skin if they're going to talk and converse with players and coaching staff and bench staff in a certain way. They have to accept being spoken to in exactly the same way. Uh, act in a way in which you expect to be spoken to. Uh, that's You're taught that at primary school, guys. Um, the Elite League and the refereeing section and Mike Hicks need to take this in hand and they need to look at developing referees and linesmen faster and better uh, because the rest of the league is advancing at a rate that is outstripping the way that referees are being brought up uh, and it's only going to lead to more and more of these problems. It's going to lead to distrust from players and from coaching staff of what the referees are actually capable of doing um, and ultimately that's going to affect the product that we see on ice. Again, we can't have a game without them, so they need to be supported. Yeah. Dave, any other thoughts? Yeah, huge parts of that I, I agree with. You know, the the refing in the Elite League is... My problem with the refing in the Elite League is it's hit and miss. Um, and it's not even just hit and miss between coaches. It's hit and miss to be, between um, games. You can have the same coach, uh, two or three, and we do, two or three games in a row um, and one game they can do really well and then the next game it can be absolutely dire. Um, more and more games, um, you, you may agree with me, is that we're seeing a lot more um, involvement from the ref um, than we would have expected. Um, you know, I, I don't, I can live with bad refing when it's missed calls uh, in the sense of Everyone's going to. Every ref's going to miss a call. They're not going to get everything. It's not. It's impossible to catch every uh, infraction. Um, but it's whenever a ref tries to get every call um, and then misses. You know that means that those one or two ones that are missed are blatant. Because you're like, well, why did all the rest of the penalties were called? You know, uh, and it becomes this um, feeling like they are more involved in the game than you would want them to be. Um, you know, I don't want to go home at the end of the night and know the ref's name. Um, and it's far too often that I'm coming uh, at the end of a, a match and I know who the ref was um, to the point where um, I know who the ref is now going into a match. Um, and we're like, well, right, okay, so we're going to have X number of power plays. Um, like going back to the, old, the good old days when we used to see somebody give out the slash in every every other period um you know it, it almost became a meme um but 100 percent the the work needs to be put in by the league um i personally don't think it's a feeling on individual part 
um, because I've I've seen great games from almost all our referees, but the, the there's obviously not the support from the the entire league to improve them at the same pace, um, like John said, um, and it means that there's going to be games where they're uh, out of step. This is probably the best way to put it. Um, you know, so it's it, it's it's a, it's a terrible jo- job to do. I don't know if uh, if I could do it. Um, obviously, fitness, I definitely couldn't do it. Um, but the you know psychologically as well, you know, it's a lot to take on. Um, and uh, if if they're not being supported by the league for improvements, uh, I'm sure they're not having a great time at some of these matches. What's your thoughts, Marty? Yeah, I mean, you guys have put it really well. I think um, I can't really add anything else to what you guys have kind of already said. I would agree that there's a level of um, there's a level of involvement that the rest seem to be getting this, the rest seem to be getting involved with a lot more at the moment. And as you said, Dave, you you worded it really well. There's there's a there's a point where you're kind of thinking to yourself, why am I seeing ref slash linesman being involved so often in this game? Like, why am I? Why is my attention being drawn to them more than some parts? And why is it? You know, there's an aspect of that. The one thing I will say is that I don't know if it's been an increase or not. But what I will say, what I feel is that I'm the first one. I'll be the first person in the crowd. Like, I'm not saying I'm an expert. I'm not an. We 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 put our hands up. We're not experts uh, at all in any way, shape, or form. But I know if there's call being called, I know. Like I know when to say when to admit if there's a, um, a, a, a a legitimate penalty call. The one thing I don't like is when um, and all home fans in every single arena across. You can say you don't, but every home fan in every single arena around this league, they will as soon as they feel aggrieved by something and then they start yelling and shouting and saying, "Oh, whatever it is, complain about it." I'll probably be the ones probably sitting there being like, nope, that was a fair call. Yeah. And you've got people around you going, oh, it's a slash, it's a slash. Like, nope, that was, nope, definitely we've, uh, not. Nope. We've been in that position an awful lot recently. Our resection has went yeah. from being relatively quiet to extremely busy. And yep. we're um, and we're not behind the doors on our opinion, where it be good or bad for the Giants. And we have had a lot of uh, um, counter comments sent towards yes. our way when we go, what are you talking about? That was fine, you know. Fine, yeah. Um, like if I yeah. hit, if it, if it was a, a questionable hit, you'd be like, nope, that was clean. That was a proper clean hit, and there's no re- yep. there's no reason for that to be called. I don't know why you're. I don't mind. I don't mind the feet. shouting. I don't mind the shouting about it because that's uh, it's passion. But when it's vitriolic, oh yeah, yeah. at the yeah. referees, like yeah. someone shout gets about a the clean, call, not the clean hit on a giant. Yeah, if someone gets a clean hit on a giant, shout about the hit and go. Ah, I wish you hadn't done that. That's that's awful. Yeah. Not. Why is that not a call? Well, it's not yeah. a call because it's not a call. It's a clean it's hit. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And these these are people who continually come to games but, but don't and learn. And it's look, really annoying. Well, the last thing I'll say on this before I move on to the next question, um, the one thing I will say is that um, we we I think we're all in agreement that it's a tough job. Um, oh, yeah. And I would not want to be that. I, I would not want to be doing the job. And that's the problem. No one really wants to do the job. So we have people in the league who we've got, we got refs and linesmen who are willing to do it. But... As you as you guys have already alluded to, there just seems, doesn't seem to be an investment in the development of that, and it doesn't seem to come along at the same speed as the rest of the league in terms of um, quality and, and development. So, definitely something that needs to be reviewed. Um, guys, I'm going to move on to the last question before we finish off for this week. Um, and because it is Christmas, and because we're signing off for Christmas period, um, I'm going to ask you both to be quite honest with this next question. So, this is a question that came through from um, my, my own my own lovely wife. Um, she asked me this question, and I, I thought I'd put it to you guys. Um, Coming up to the season of giving um, and Christmas presents galore of people giving you Christmas presents. As hockey fans, as we've been hockey fans for a number of years now, um, 
at some stage uh, over the course of your whatever length of time you have been hockey fans, I am pretty sure that um, without out of doubt, at least you, every one of us has been given a hockey themed gift um, by someone either through uh, work, maybe as a because that someone at work knows you're a hockey fan through like a, maybe a secret Santa or um, from maybe even a family member. And if you don't feel comfortable because it's a family member who bought you something you didn't like, but is there anything, is there a, a, a gift that you've received that you politely took in but have never used and just thought, Honestly, yeah. I'm oh. I mean, I've got multiples of the same gift. I wonder if it's the same thing that I got too, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so um I think one of you might have bought me one. The we frozen game. Yeah. The frozen ice hockey game. Um so I got one of them from I think one of the guys in the on our show, obviously. Um and I also got one from a family member. So obviously one went unused, <laughs> so I'll use one and the other one didn't go used. Um, other than that, um, I think a lot of my um, friends are, or friends and family are maybe reluctant to buy me hockey-related stuff because, um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> as I gesture towards all my jerseys, um, you know, it can be very a bit daunting whenever you're given um, a fanatic like myself something that they're fanatical about. Um, so uh, I think they've sort of dodged it. My granny got me a great one though, um, uh, the uh, like a, ho- a hockey mug, um, just to cross sticks. I think it's like uh, keep calm and play hockey, you know, which I love. Um, John, you? I'm kind of in the same boat as Dave. I think everyone who knows I'm a hockey fan, like either considers staying away from hockey or will like clarify a gift with me first. The one that I I can think of offhand is behind me that wasn't considered and was actually a brilliant present. I don't, I don't have a bad one to give you. But my wife got me this book, Fabric of the Game, and it's amazing. It goes through sort of the history of um, team identities, jerseys, and sort of why they are the way that they are. And this is absolutely fantastic. I love this. Like I'll occasionally just pick it up and and read through the history of a franchise uh, and sort of why the jersey is the way it is. And like it's fantastic. There's a reason we talk about jerseys so much uh, on this show. It's because we love them. And this was a fantastic jersey. Uh, Jersey-themed uh, present to get. It was, it was brilliant. But yeah, generally speaking... Uh, family are yeah either worried or consider consider too much what they're going to get and i don't generally end up with a bad hockey present if you are right you um yeah i think i would probably go with what dave said i have over the years i've had multiple variations of like air hockey type little Mm. mini air hockey type thing games um i think i've received maybe like three of them in, in the course of three different years and I think people were like oh I'll just get that as like a little stopping for or whatever it is but yeah they just kind of go unused and then they end up getting sent to the charity shop at the end of Christmas and stuff uh, sorry for anybody who bought me one but yeah that's to be honest that's where it goes um so yeah I have received that but I'm um, it's funny you guys mentioned because yeah there's probably more 
meaningful and nice gifts hockey related that I have received over the years um, that actually um, that, that and actually that, that means more when we do get a nice gift and actually one of them um, I can't turn my camera um, it's over on the wall I probably could turn my camera no it's messy but I don't want to turn my camera around to the messy side um, but there's a gift it wasn't a Christmas gift um, but actually um, like I think I've, I've got gifts for different things um, but I know um, John you got me a gift when you were at when you were away in Canada, you were in Canada once. I don't know if you remember that, but when you were in Canada, um, I think you brought home. I think it was kind of. I think you brought home from it was a print of um, like a like an old fashioned skate, and it had the breakdown of like the. Oh no, those those were Secret Santa. Those were Secret Santas. Uh, okay, it was a Secret Santa. It was fun. I and I have it on my wall. I love it. Um, it's one of the prints that's on this on the wall in this room, and people always comment on it whenever they they when they stay in this room because it's like our spare room. People stay in it, and they always comment on that print. It's really nice. I think there was. Um, I think there was three because I think you got the skate one. Somebody got a stick, and did someone get a puck? Yeah, I think I. Have I think stick. it was like blueprint drawings of it all. Yeah, they're really cool. Um, but I really like it. It's one of my favorite ones. And obviously, you boys have both bought me, um, for for being on your weddings and stuff. You both boys have bought me um hockey jerseys. I know Davey bought me a Toronto one. Um, and John, you got me a Kevin Smith one. Um, so yeah, they're again they're two gifts. But again, that's cheating because obviously I get me a hockey jersey is an easy gift. Um, but um, they're meaningful. Say that. Um, and... <laughs> what? 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 They're easy. You say it's that. Not an easy... What do you mean? Sometimes you always you're always a bit worried about buying. Well, I'm definitely a bit worried about buying jerseys for people because you never know exactly what is in the bowels of their cupboards. Because I don't like that's buying true. new jerseys. Yeah. I like to buy something. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that is older, that is and true. you don't know whether you're. Because I think I got you a. Oh, uh, name escapes me. One of the armor jerseys. You know the. Yes. Like you yeah, yeah. I think I got you one of them, a game worn. Um, yeah. Um. And uh, you're like, has he got it? Has he got that season? I don't know. You know, so no, I, and it's on it's on the wall over here as well. It's up hanging up. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's worth no it's worth it. maybe just throwing this one up from the comments as well. Mike uh, has thrown this one. He says the best gift that uh, his wife got was last week. The team did a skate with the players after the match, oh, and she was allowed on the ice in her wheelchair, pushed around by some of the players. Absolutely priceless gift. Um, so yeah, love to see that sort of stuff. And that's a great way to sign off um, on, on this part yeah. of the podcast and sign off the podcast for this year. Can I can um, I throw one thing? Can I throw one yes, AOB in just quickly? It, it's I'm going to be really, really quick. It's just happened. Uh, GB under 20s are playing uh, this week uh, in their tournament, uh, World Championships. Uh, they've just had their third game of the week against China. It was a 4-1 win against China um, with goals coming from Two from Ben Brown, uh, one from Finlay Braden, and Carter Hamill got a, a goal mm. as well. Um, had they've had two other games. They've had a 4-1 win against the Netherlands, in which, uh, amongst other scores, we saw Kel Beatty and Max Stewart both get on the score sheet in that game. Uh, and they had a 4-5 overtime loss um, to Lithuania. So they are still in the running for a medal in the competition. Uh, they will face off against Spain on Friday and on Sunday, they will face Korea. Just just again, uh, quickly, just before we move on, from the, the game, was the last night before, the French, the France game where they, they did lose, you didn't happen to see the Michigan goal that was scored yep. as the final. Oh, my 
my god it was beautiful i love that he, he had the audacity to do a mission goal and, and got it right in oh it was beautiful uh, anyway um that takes us to the end of this week's show and the last show of 2023 um we just want to thank everyone um and who has found us in 2023 has listened to our podcast who has probably given us the highest listenership that we have ever had in the whole entire run of our podcast from 20 i think we started in 2016 2017 yeah 2016 is the highest run highest amount of listens in one year um and we just want to thank everyone who has reached out this year who's listened to us who's subscribed everything uh we, we just we're humbled we just thank everyone for that um and we hope to continue to put out some good quality content that you're happy with um in 2024 and moving ahead so thank you so much for that um if you do want to listen to any of our previous episodes you can do so on our web our website at door14hockey.com check out our previous episodes on any podcast provider of choice whatever that might be for you or smart speakers just ask for the latest edition of the door 14 hockey podcast um leave us a comment whatever subscribe review if you can we would really greatly appreciate that you can get involved send us your stories send us your thoughts opinions uh questions on our social media channels uh we're on all social media uh x facebook instagram tiktok at door 14 hockey and that's really it i think for this year um boys have a great i know i will see you dave um over the festive period john i know we'll be chatting but have a great festive um period um keep safe and for everybody who's listening as well please keep safe over the coming uh festive period and the new year um we hope everyone gets what they want from uh the big man um, when he arrives on christmas day uh, new year's eve or sorry, christmas eve and christmas day um so with that we will sign off for this week i'm marty i'm dave i'm john merry christmas Have a great week.